Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into the show. It is four past six on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SCNZ. Uh, yeah, good morning to you, Kempi. It is hump day, Wednesday, middle of the week. Middle of the week, Rick, and your Celtics shirt. The Kelsey boys. What happened last night? The Kelsey boys? The they Kelsey don't play for the Celtics? <laughs> that's, the wrong, that's the wrong sport, didn't know the wrong team. The green, ju- the green jersey, the red jersey. Oh, well, yeah, the... Uh, the Taylor Swift derby. Uh, the the Eagles got up twenty one seventeen. There you go. Jalen Hurts is back. Yeah, it was interesting actually. Um, Jace Kelsey uh, said, uh, "Well, it was good to beat his brother and 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 to get some sort of revenge from the Super Bowl." Uh, though he wasn't happy. Oh, is that right with yeah. his game? Yeah, yeah well, he just said the team didn't play very well. He said we might have won, but we didn't play very well. Wow, I know they're going on about um, Patrick Mahomes not being able to find any of his receivers. I looked at, at a few of those passes um, from last night's game. He actually hit the money. They were right on the money. I don't know how they didn't catch him. Yeah, well, I think it's just pressure, isn't it? It's yeah. pressure. Like that's what the Eagles do so well. Yeah, uh, yep. defensive pressure. So Silly yeah, back. Big game. Big game. Big result means. Uh, I think nine and one now. The Eagles are for the season. Yeah, well, that's you know that's what I mean. The the uh, the final that we want to see, the Super Bowl that we want to see, is a repeat, don't we? Of uh, Jalen Hurts up against Pat, Patty Mahomes. He thought he had it in the bag before uh, Patrick Mahomes went on that run, and he probably want to go back there and see if he can get him this time. Getting one back up last night doesn't really matter until he gets to that Super Bowl. I think for uh, Jalen Hurts, but everything's looking good for them up there, Philadelphia. The uh, they sort of went out there. That's a that's a big win for them, and especially you know nine and one. Uh, I think I think uh, Kansas are seven and three. Yeah, it's a, I mean nine and one is the best record in the division. Yeah, second uh, or in the whole comp actually. Second is Detroit Lions at eight and two. Yeah, you yep. would have thought you would have said that a few years ago. No, so they're going they're going really well. Uh, yeah, a, I, do you, do you think with the um, I know they're talking about it over there. Uh, with Taylor Swift, that she is a little bit of a curse for Kansas City. They oh. said they seem to ever since she's been around, they just can't seem to catch the ball. Maybe they've got their eye <laughs> on something else. Um, is that what you're saying, Kempi? Uh, coming up on the show today, uh, we're going to head to Ireland and catch up with uh, the one and only Joseph Parker. Oh, good. Uh, he's over there training at the moment, so looking forward to that. Uh, after seven o'clock, uh, we're going to catch up with the CEO of New Zealand Football, Andrew Pragnell. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about with him today. Of course, New Zealand Under-17s just finished a World Cup campaign that didn't go as they wanted. They've announced the Football Ferns are going to Colombia for a double header in December. The All Whites this morning play Ireland. Uh, that kicks off at around 6, uh, 8.45. And yesterday, Kempe, we had 
uh, the announcement that there is guaranteed now a second A-League franchise in New Zealand with an Auckland franchise being rubber stamped and on that as well Nick Garcia the commissioner of the A-Leagues is going to join us at about 7.40 so uh, plenty of news on on the on the football front. Yeah and I, I look I think that's a really um, big win for Auckland City you know to get a to get a A-League uh, franchise up here I know I know with the Phoenix no one's really mentioned it, you know. Well, like, what do the Phoenix think about having another A League? I know you asked the question um, mm. last week, but no one's really gone on about it because I know there a lot of uh, water went under the bridge when it was talked about another uh, NRL franchise being mentioned coming to New Zealand and and how the Warriors saying that you know they don't want another franchise to come into um, Aotearoa. I, and I think it's a really a good thing. I, look, I, I I love how. One, they've got the backing, so they've got a, a, a fair dinkum um, bank behind them, mm-hmm. an absolute bank role behind them. Um, but I also think that for the city that we need more sports teams in the city, you know, in, in New Zealand's biggest city. I think, I think one of the things that the sports teams will do is actually grow the city and grow it, grow it in a way where the infrastructure has to really be looked at. If you Are you going to talk about economies and bringing people up to Auckland? Um, you're going to have to sort this this Eden Park, Mount Smart. Um, uh, Don't forget about the white elephant over the shore. Th- that's right. The, the the stadium over there at the North Shore, uh, on the Western Springs, you know, yep. all of this all of this space that is basically space. You know, when you look at Eden Park, like how often do they play there? When you look at Western Springs, it, it, right in the middle of in town there, you've got a speedway and a rugby club. Um, and Mount Smart is overutilised, you know. And I think it, if you're bringing a team in, I, and I really like it. I like how Auckland Auckland have brought an A-League team in. I hope that when Abdo comes out, uh, he think he thinks in a couple of weeks he's coming out and he's going to actually talk about the, the 18th franchise in the NRL, that New Zealand's in the mix. Yeah. Um, and I just think what it does to to the Auckland Council especially, is go, well, actually, we really need a stadium down on the waterfront. Well, it's, yeah, I tell you what, I mean, Bill Foley, who's the uh, the American billionaire, uh, he's got a lot of investment in New Zealand. So he owns uh, vineyards in Blenheim, Queenstown, uh, somewhere else in the South Island as well, and then in, in the in sort of wider upper around, around that region as well. So... And he owns a, a bunch of restaurants and, and bars and things as well here. Well, Plus, it, he owns the the he, he owns like four football teams and the Vegas Golden Knights NHL franchise. He is he's got coin, and if he doesn't think the the infrastructure is right for what he wants to do in Auckland, I'm sure he's going to do something about 100%, it. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. First of all, he's a billionaire. Secondly, he owns not just one team, a, a half a dozen of them. But the other part that is there is is that he has a bunch of mates that are in the same boat, you know. And and when you're looking for seed funding, because it's all about funding when it comes down to it, isn't it? The same conversation comes up in Auckland. We'll build a stadium. Well, it's more taxpayers' money. Why do we need to build you a stadium? Um, well, then make it private money. Make it make it you know. Um, a, uh, an equity share where private investors can actually invest in it, as opposed to saying, "Well, this is for the city." You know what I mean? But I've always thought that a no-brainer, a, a stadium down on the waterfront, has always been a no-brainer. You know, we had the, the closest we've ever had to that is Carlow Park. Yeah, and then we then we went and turned turned that into a bunch of flats. Yeah, and a car park, and a car park. So um, all the best, all the best to the Auckland 
uh, A-League team. Uh, I, know you, I know you've got a question for us on that. I've put a, I've put a little bit of thought into that question too. So, and, First time for everything? It is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're way too quick. You're way too quick for me, Rick Dog. All right, let's do Who Am I? We have a $100 Adidas golf voucher up for grabs. Get away with Adidas golf. Visit adidas.co.nz. Get away with golf. T's and C's apply. Here is clue number one. Ooh, cryptic. Robbie is taking over doing Who Am I's. And honestly, cryptic. I represent New Zealand, but was born in Australia. I represent New Zealand, but that's, was born in Australia. Well, it's... All of our Kiwi team. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I can think of a bunch of cricketers as well. Is this? Can I ask? I know you don't want to give away too much too early, Rob. But can I, we just clarify? Is this person still playing? Yeah, well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do with who am I? I'm trying to, you know, first clue get like the most random guesses on mm. the text machine and then yeah. give it away by clue three, essentially. Um, so, but to answer your question, yes, they are still playing, right? So that rules out Luke Ronke, who was the first person I thought of. Um, and it probably rules out Tawira Kurbalo as well. Uh, although I think he's still playing in France, but you know, not not in the in the mix down here. So all right, there you go. There, there's there's your first clue. Hundred dollar Adidas golf voucher. Double eight, double three. If you know the answer, let's crack in to this. Round one, five. Now we're going to start uh, with a with a rugby league question, Kempi, um, because our two absolute Tigers legends. Uh, they're not they're not button heads on it, but they've both got very different opinions mm. on it, and that is whether or not Benji Marshall is the right man to take the Tigers forward. Now, Blocker Roach has come out and said that the club's made a mistake handing an inexperienced Marshall the reins for the toughest job in rugby league. Reckons he'll struggle to attract players. They've had two wooden spoons, haven't made the finals since 2011. On the flip side, Benny Elias has backed Marshall and said the test, uh, the former test star, is capable of doing extraordinary things as a coach. Who do you think is right or more right? Uh, b- blocker, blocker. Yeah. I, you know, like extraordinary things on a football field as a player. Benji did weekly. You know, it was was absolutely out of this world. But blocker has a has a fair dinkum point. Um, and it, it is a little bit, I think, from the board's perspective, uh, a, a clutch at, at trying to continually promote the club um, club's brand by putting Benji into that position. Just have a look at the last 10 years, for instance. So, you know, Ivan Cleary went there, couldn't get out fast enough. He went on and won a couple of premierships at, at Penrith. Um, then they brought in Madge Maguire. He, he couldn't do anything, tried to change the roster, and all of a sudden he loses his job. And then Tim Sheens comes in and, and gets punted um, last year. And, and Benji basically takes over three, two-thirds through the season. It's not that um, Benji Marshall's taken over. It's that they've had... Guys that have won premierships, because the whole three of those guys, Madge Maguire won two, he won one in Wigan, one at South. Ivan's won 400 because he's a current, he's won three currently. Mm. Um, and Tim Sheens had won at Canberra and at the Tigers as well. That you've gone and put a rookie coach in there to try and fix it. And I think that's why Blocker has a point. I think it's, you have a look at their roster. And I know this thing about coaching, you need a hell of a lot of luck when you go and coach in the NRL. You need the right players in the right position, um, and you need depth and you need luck. And and what I say with luck, if you haven't got the squad and you get players that come out through injury and, and they are your best players, you're knackered. You're knackered for the year. And if, and if that happens, Benji's head's on the chopping block. 
you mentioned those three coaches are all premiership winners who couldn't get it done. That suggests the problem is higher up the chain than the coach. Well, that's that's. I, I think the focus should not be on Benji. You know, like that's a really um, easy way to 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 focus on probably another tough season for the Tigers is to look at their coach. I think if you the reason why I mentioned it, well, they've had those three players over the last ten years. Those guys that are making their decisions over those last ten years, what are they doing? Mm. And you're looking at you're looking at their board, at their structure, because um, they're just going to have to go and find another coach. I think at the end of the year, if Benji doesn't uh, do what he's hoping to do, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he puts them in a pretty untenable situation. But like you say, yeah, uh, you keep changing the coach and nothing changes, and there's well, something they, else they, wrong they with lost, the club, right? They lost that. They lost the Bradman Best fight. He's going to stay at Newcastle. Jerome Luai's talked talked about going there. They're going to have to pay super overs for him. Um, and they're talking about bringing Justin Ollum there. He's desperate for a centre, you know, who's, who's probably not going to get a start down in Melbourne. So uh, I just there's not a hell of a lot of stock in that six seven one jersey. Taking Luke Brooks out, not replacing him is a real tough one. Um, but finding players in those key positions of centre, loose forward, fullback, uh, halfback, really hard. Mm. All right, let's crack on. Now, Sonny Bill Williams is uh, quite uh, prominent in the Australian rugby media. He does a lot for Stan Sports over there. He has called Eddie Jones' behaviour comical and said if he was a player, no one would stand for it. Is he right? Yes, 100%. 110%. That, uh, I, look, I love that Sonny Bill Williams has found his voice and is actually... Um, well, you, you've, you, you sort of nailed it this morning when you said, you know, the Australians are worried about losing their jobs, so they don't say nothing about Eddie Jones, and they go to Sonny Bill Williams for a bit of clickbait. I don't think this is a, this isn't clickbait. This is actually an honest opinion. Eddie Jones has been a pork chop, and Sonny Bill Williams has called him out. He called him. The thing with it, he didn't call him out in this article yesterday. Mm. He called him out before he went to the World Cup. Yeah, and and was proven right. And I think everyone that knew that Eddie Jones was about Eddie Jones, I think the final straw for Sonny Bill Williams was when he he said that uh, certain people weren't role models, you know. Um, and the captain, the former captain of Australia, Hooper, being one of those, I, I find that really hard from Eddie Jones to to be treating a captain of the country like that. So, um, calling it out, at least he had the 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 kahunas to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, he, he went on and said, I saw straight through his antics and his big talking. This is a bloke who has a uh, a track record of burning bridges um, because Christy Doran had said, apparently, um, while they were in training camp in Australia, before they left to go to France, Eddie Jones had done a Zoom call with Japan Rugby as a first-round interview. Yeah. Before, you know, and, and he denied it, his agent denied it. Uh, then he did another one, apparently, and, uh, yeah, apparently now it's all true. Yeah, so. well, well, it is true. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Like that's what Sonny said. I saw saw right through it, and um, yeah, he's come out and basically, I think with the Eddie Jones thing is just the way that he's uh, he's treated everyone in the game, not not just the players, but the the contempt for the people that he worked for, who had the had the faith in bringing him home, uh, and McLennan subsequently has been pushed out. Uh, the media who who that went viral at the airport. Mm. You know, you just keep saying what you want about us. We're going to go there and win. Well, you couldn't win, you know, a game of marbles while you're at the World Cup, and then just destroying players' confidence. So I, I like what um, young Herbert Dan Herbert's come out and said. You know, before we hire a coach, we're going to hire someone to look at our football structures. And that I think that's a really smart move. Um, and and they are they're. 
look, they've got their backs against the wall at the moment, Australian Rugby Union. My suggestion is forget about Eddie Jones and move on. Yeah. yeah get I, there as quickly as possible. I, he's he's poison now, right? He's yeah. never going to get another job in Australia, I don't think, um, uh, based off that. All right, let's go to number three. Round three. Yesterday I went to the press conference um, to announce that the A-League have officially given Auckland a, uh, a, a licence uh, and that Bill Foley uh, and his Black Knights FC have got that. They announced the CEO yesterday as well. The big question that everybody wanted to know was, what's the team going to be named? And they didn't give us an answer yesterday. They said they want to they do some more due diligence. They want to sound people out. Now, I looked at it, right? Bill Foley, his alma mater was the Black was Black Knights, which is why he likes Black Knights. So his company's called Black Knights FC. Yeah, that's where he owns all his football. I love that. Under, uh, but the New Zealand A League team uh, that first started when the A League started uh, was the Knights, and they were terrible. They were, uh, yeah, they were they were awful. They folded after two seasons. So there's a bit of baggage with that name. Now on top of that, Auckland United, Auckland City FC, and Auckland FC are all names that have already been taken uh, by clubs in the national in the national pyramid. So what does this team get called? Well, like like I said, I had a had a bit of a think about it, and I like the Black Knight. You know, like the the branding in and around the Knight, um, and having been a Knight before too, is is really cool. Um, yeah, it's a, it's cool in a lot of ways because of the branding on the. <laughs> I had on, to stop and think that I was like. When did Kempe get knighted? Yeah. And then I remembered Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh dear, t- take it easy. No league person gets knighted, <laughs> apart from the butcher, of course. Um, but I just thought, you know, like when you're looking at branding, when you're looking at what Auckland is, and, you know, of course you've got the the biggest structure in Auckland too being um, the tower in the middle of town. I thought Auckland Aces would be a really good name for them. So you got four aces. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the big A. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. For, for Auckland and aces. Yeah. And you've got all the the brands, the diamonds, the 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 clubs. You know, all sorts the spades, of things that you can. The hearts. Yeah. You yeah. mean like our cricket team, Kempi? Well, yeah, but more more. You know, the cricket team they're not going to they don't you really use that brand that well, do they, Rob? You know, so I think the cricket team needs to go and find another name. Right. Okay. There you go. Kempi's going for the Auckland Aces. What oh do you dear. think? We want to hear from you. Want to hear from you? Double eight, double three. What do you reckon this club should be called? <laughs> I knew it was going to get. I knew it was going to get a response from Robbie. Yeah, I did, mate. It was. It was beautifully done. It was beautifully done. What do you think this team should be called? Double eight, double three. The new Auckland A League franchise. What should the name of the club be? We want to hear from you. It is six twenty-two. Uh, need a new mobile plan? Visit Kogan Mobile. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. 627 0800 150 811 or double eight double three. Asking about the Auckland A-League franchise got unveiled yesterday. What should the team be called? Are you going to name it? Charlie has texted through. Uh, what about the Auckland Aristocrats or Jokers? I won't, I won't say the first one he said. Um, the Jaffers. Yeah, uh, so they keep them coming through on that front. And Kempe... My, my point being, he's mm. a... 81-year-old billionaire from Texas. Mm. He can name it whatever he wants. And if he wants the aces off the cricketers, he can go and get them. Yeah, well, yeah, probably, probably because just Because what are the it. aces actually doing with the cricket, cricketers? They don't use the clubs as a as a brand because it should be when their bats come up, you know, the big club comes out. Yeah. I reckon I reckon the, 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 the soccer guys will just take it and take it to a different level. Different, different level, okay. So, yeah, keep your, keep your text coming through on that, double eight, double three. I did wonder, he does own... 
Lorient in France and AFC Bournemouth in the Premier League. Right, so he owns those two clubs. He's wow. also got shares in a Dutch club, or he's about to buy shares in a Dutch club, and he's got a minority stake in Scottish Premier League team Hibernian as well. Yep. So he's uh, he's doing all right. Um, I did wonder though, AFC Bournemouth, AFC Auckland, if they like try and keep that branding going. Maybe I, I quite like AFC too because it's like that university branding. Mm. You know, I, I think when they they break it down, it's about well, how many shirts are we going to sell? Yeah. You know, so we've got to have the brand, the name right. The night, the knights. He might just come out and say, "We're called the Black Knights." Yeah, uh, to be honest, I think that's where they'll go. To be honest, <laughs> but, but let's see. They they did say yesterday that they wanted to sound people out on the name, so we'll see how 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 much of that process we get to see. All right, let's do this. To celebrate the Chemist Warehouse Black Friday sale, we've got balanced protein prize packs valued at over $150 to give away. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse and their friends at Balance. It is two truths, one lie. We've got three statements from the three of us. One of them is a lie. You've got to tell us who on double eight, double three. Uh, Robbie, you go first. Yeah, I think I will go first. I think uh, I think you went first on Monday, Kempi on Tuesday, so yep. I'll start off today. Um, now, cricket is my main game, uh, but I played a lot of tennis growing up, actually, and uh, in fact, I won an interclub tournament at the age of 13 across all of Auckland. Yeah, um, tall enough to do that too, I reckon. He's, he's, yeah, got the re- he's got the reach. Thank you very much. Um, but a stress fracture in my foot stopped me from going any further. Okay, all right. Injury stopping Robbie's tennis career. He's uh, just couldn't handle the pain. Is that what you're saying? Couldn't handle the pressure. Yeah, basically. Yeah, all yeah. of the above. All of the above. I think Charlie's got the name right for you then. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, mate. Well, I I couldn't make ends meet when I first turned semi-pro. Mm. Um, you know, working on building sites and and trying to you know the little bit of money that I was getting wasn't really. Cutting it. So you remember Nicky Mills down in Wellington, yeah, yeah, the yeah, basketball yeah. guy. Well, yep. Miles was a pretty good basketballer too. Nicky, Nicky knew that. Um, gave me a job, and you, those are back in the days when you had to be twenty-one to get in pubs. I used to bounce the doors for Nicky Mills down in Wellington. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a hundred percent believable for me. Um, but uh, let us know what you think. Double eight, double three. Who is lying? And mine, uh, my statement for today is um, pretty sure. Uh, we were the, my band was the first New Zealand band to play Victor Arena. We opened, not long after Victor Arena opened, we played with Korn at Victor Arena and Biohazard and Chimera What were you doing with the guitar? I wasn't doing it. I was on vocals. Um, but there you go. So I, I'm pretty sure we're the first Kiwi band to play Victor Arena. Wow. There you go. Double eight, double three. Who is lying? That's what we want to know. A Chemist Warehouse, $150 giveaway. It's a balanced protein price pack. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse and their friends at Balance. Here's Aroha now with news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 26 away from 7 o'clock. Flight Centre's big red sale is on with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. Book now and save big. Let's have a look at some sports news headlines. Oscar Pistorius will have a second chance at parole at a hearing uh, on Friday after he was wrongly ruled ineligible for early release from prison in March. South Africa's Department of Corrections said in a statement a parole board will consider the former Olympic runner's case again this week and decide whether the inmate is suitable or not for social integration. Mm. You reckon they'll let him out, Kempi? No. No, I don't think so either. I think he's toast for a while yet. 
Just quietly, just quietly. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets overcame a 45-point display from Jason Tatum to end Boston's six-game winning streak in an overtime NBA thriller yesterday. The Celtics were the hottest team in the league after surging to the top of the Eastern Conference with an 11-2 record and looked to be cruising towards a seventh straight victory after they opened an 18-point lead midway through the second quarter. But a resurgent Charlotte side hit back in the final two quarters, outscoring Boston 54-43 in the second half to go to a pulsating clash of overtime. Eventually, the Hornets winning 121-117. And you mentioned this earlier. According to Fox League, Knights star Bradman Best is set to knock back the Tigers and re-sign with the Knights for a deal worth $2 million over three years. Best was being courted by Tigers coach Benji Marshall on the back of a breakout season that saw him make his New South Wales debut. The 22-year-old centre scored 13 tries and 25 appearances for Newcastle this year and crossed for a double in Origin 3. The Tigers were ready to make Best one of the highest-paid centres in the game on a deal worth around 800000 a season. They put him right up there with uh, Joseph Manu. Um, mate, a lot, of, a lot of water to go under the bridge, I think, with the signings, Rick, over the, over the coming months. But, uh, December, January, normally there's a bit of movement. Yeah, 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 That's, uh, that, that is true. I, I thought this was interesting as well, uh, that this came out. Um, that Bradman Best, because he is uh, apparently represented by the same people that represent Jerome Luai. Mm. Right, and then you mentioned that Jerome Luai had been linked uh, to a move to the Tigers. Um, now, he said, uh, this is the story here, apparently Jerome Luai was opening a footlocker in Liverpool, which is sort of West Sydney, right? And uh, he, he posted something on his, uh, on his socials about it. And Bradman Best... Um, as I said, is also run by Black Money Enterprises, who, who managed Jerome Luai, uh, posted on it a tiger emoji with big white eyes. Yeah, well, you know the thing. The thing, you know the thing about the Tigers and Penrith mm. is they're both out west. Yes. So you know he wouldn't have to. He wouldn't have to go and move too far. Um, he's got three premierships. Is this? A, I'm just talking about this poss- being a possibility. Like he's going to go from like. The same as Uppy Curacao from from the penthouse to the dweller to the cellar. Yeah, um, penthouse to the outhouse. It's a very very big decision. Yeah, but it's out west, and the and the thing, the difference between Uppy being um, and Benji. Like, so um, Benji's got Uppy there, but Benji and Jerome Luai, when he first made the All Stars, were roommates. So their their relationship actually goes back before he he kicked on into the into the Premiership. And made all the the name for himself, and that that relationship goes that far back. So, if anyone's got a chance of attracting Jerome Luai out of Penrith, it is Benji Marshall. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. It's going to be one to watch. See what happens there. Uh, and Denver Broncos safety Kareem Jackson has been suspended without pay for four games for repeated violations of player safety rules. The result of his first tackle since he returned. From another suspension. Um, get this, Jackson lowered his helmet and hit Minnesota Vikings quarterback Josh Dobbs less than two minutes into Sunday's 21-20 win over the Broncos. That was his first play after a suspension. It's confusing, eh? And now he's been given another suspension for four games and without pay. Yeah. Well, that's, see, that's interesting because I've never heard of a player losing money be, being sus- because you've been suspended in a collision sport. Um, so that's, a, that's an interesting way of trying to rectify someone's uh, techniques, you know, you've got all these schools that you go to in rugby union. Yeah, uh, rugby league. It's, it, I'd say, it's confusing. Like my coach used to say, make sure they don't get up off the ground. You know, when I was playing fullback, yeah, because 
you know, and it was, you know, a lot of the shots they are late at fullback when they when they're going to pass that last pass. But then you get coaches saying, "Oh, they're always picking on you, the referees, because you, 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 you." But you told me to do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think the thing is now that they, they brought in a rule a few years ago: you're not allowed to uh, lead with your helmet, mm. and um, that. Uh, and I think he's already been suspended by it for it. And his first game back, the first tackle he makes, he gets done for the same thing again. So I think the club's just gone. You know what? Yeah, that's on you. Yeah, you know the rules. You Fair know enough. the rules. Yeah, catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass only on DAZN. Visit nfldazone.com forward slash NFL. And uh, those are some sports news headlines for you. A few texts through here. Uh, this one: uh, Look what happened to the Crusaders. The Knights logo was deemed unacceptable. Has the climate changed enough? Well. I think the answer to that is it wasn't the Knights logo that was the problem. It was the name the Crusaders. The Crusaders, correct. Yeah. Um, and what the Crusaders represented rather than what a knight represents. You know, because a Crusader is somebody that is going to the, in inverted commas, Holy Land yeah. and wiping out people that believe in a different thing, uh, whereas a knight could be anything. I mean, the French and the English and that lot, mm. the Scottish and the English, they all fought with knights and stuff and it yeah. doesn't I, have the same connotations. I wonder, I wonder if they, when they do the branding exercise, if they get like younger people to look at, you know, because you've got different brands these days, mm. you know, most of those when you you look at those PlayStation games and stuff like that, they, you know, the old ones I was only thinking about this, one of the reasons why I picked on Robbie and the Aces and Cricket is that when we first took over the Warriors in 2000, <laughs> We used a deck of cards as our calls. Yeah, you know, and Ace was one of the calls that was going through, and I, and and then the question came, and I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to use that. You know, I'm going to use that um, because the cricketers don't, and throw it out there. Maybe a billionaire might hear the show this morning and say, sorry, Auckland Aces. It's going. It's, sorry, Auckland Aces cricket team. It's going to the soccer team. Yeah, there you go. Maybe, maybe uh, Scott from Titarangi, uh, a very good suggestion. He's gone. What about the Auckland traffic? <laughs> <laughs> Scott is winning so far. Or the Auckland Jam. Yeah, yeah, the Auckland Jam. Maybe. Well, you're just trying to get just ask me to name, name our team named after <laughs> them. Uh, there you go. It is 19 away from seven o'clock. When we come back, uh, speaking of jam, it is love racing. Yes, it's 6.45 in course now, anytime, 0800 150 811 post text machine. Yes, the Grand Tour Racing Festival is back, and I'm looking forward to the ones in January when the Karaka Millions come around. Close to home here in Ellerslie on that uh, brand new track that they're out testing there at the moment. A couple of tests still to go, um, but it's all looking good for the people in the middle of the, the city uh, getting their racing track back up and running. One one horse um, group performer bodes well will make his first appearance for new trainer Debbie Harris uh, when he heads to New Plymouth on Friday. Big day down there to contest the Whitaker uh, Civil Construction 1400 metres. The seven-year-old Gowding, who's part-owned by uh, All Black Bowden Barrett and Crusaders assistant coach James Marshall was previously trained by fellow Taranaki trainer John Wheeler. Uh, his stakes placed on four occasions, including three consecutive run-out results, enlisted Steve um, Stephanus Classic, uh, listed Metropolitan Trophy, and the New Zealand Cup over 3,200 metres. The son of Zed hasn't featured in the money since, and the decision was made early this year to change his environment in the hope of turning his form around. Bred in part owned by John, uh, John Linsky, had a good association with Debbie Harris, and thought her boutique operation would be perfect as an environment for the gelding. I used to work for Robbie Patterson, who trains a lot for John uh, Linsky. He wanted to try the horse in a different environment, and 
to see if he might uh, find a bit of form again before we retire him, Harris said. He's a lovely laid-back horse to have around. Sounds a little bit like my jam. Harris has uh, been pleased with the way Bodeswell has been working ahead of his first-up assignment, but said the 1,400-metre trip is well short of his best. Well, if you have a look at the New Zealand Cup, that's over two miles, 3,200 metres. So uh, he's got plenty of, it, plenty of it left in his legs, has Bodeswell. He's been working along really nicely. Uh, he's had a few little niggles, but hopefully... Well, they've got on top of them now. He's been good, going pretty well around jump outs, and we're hoping he can carry that jump out form onto track day. He's a stayer, but we've got to kick it off somewhere. While Harris is to- talking, uh, taking one race at a time, she said the main aim for the preparation is a Group 3 Wellington Cup if Bodewell returns to form. Uh, the, that was the horse, that, uh, the race that Waisaki won, as we know, for El Sharik. We thought we just may have got another one down there on Christchurch on Saturday. Put in a nomination for the Wellington Cup, but we'll just play it by ear at this stage, and we'll see what happens if he does find form again is something um, potentially to look at. So that spodes well on the weekend uh, on Friday down there in Taranaki. There's races at Invercargill today as well, and I've had a look through those fields. There's a there's a, there's a a couple that, that I like. There's actually one um, running around in race eight. I just think it's carrying too much weight, but we yeah, still uh, decent money. Eight dollars fifty, two dollars eighty. Uh, Johnny, uh, Jimmy five. Uh, the weight. I think the weight is the only thing that stops him today. Um, but it is a uh, sprint over twelve hundred meters, and uh, he's a he's a he's the class horse of the of the uh, of that field in the top weight. So if you're having a look today, um, remember gamble responsibly and. Uh, uh, that's also R18 in through that Invercargill field. But down at Taranaki Friday, Bodeswell will be going around. We'll actually get Al Sharik on Friday because he's got a number of horses as well uh, coming back from Christchurch after taking Waisaki down there on a raid and, and ending up with a third. But, um, yep, lots still happening in the racing game. Rick, this weekend, we'll, uh, we'll pick a couple come Friday. Happy day for us and uh, hopefully give us a good lead in to the weekend for all of our Love Racing crew. We've got a text here and I think one of the first ones this morning from one of our uh, tipsters. He came in and I'm just going to find it here. He said, morning guys, happy hump day. My tip um, for the top four finish came in yesterday, actually came third and paid. Uh, He didn't put the name of that one here but my tip for today is meeting six race number two at uh, top four, paying $2.60. That's Barry. Um, so, Barry, well done yesterday on that top four, and uh, good luck today. I'll have a look at who that is, and we'll mention that again later on in the breakfast show. That's your Love Racing update today. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Yeah, and don't forget, Tatu, we've got Takembi's Kicker with the TAB on Thursday. Thursday. So we'll be looking for some more tips uh, tomorrow for that as well. And yeah, let's get someone paid. Keep your texts rolling through as well. What are the, what's this Auckland A-League team going to be called? Uh, Dale's texted through, said, what about the Auckland Rangers? I'm stuck behind one in traffic right now. Yeah, the Auckland Rangers. I like I like that. I think the Rangers is a good name. Um, I, I, you know, the thing with the Auckland, they're going to talk about like all the all the mowing, all the mountains around Auckland. Yeah. Obviously, the city of sales. So you got all the, the water. water. Yeah. You got all the iconic landmarks: the bridge, the the um, sky tower. Uh, and of course, you know it's the it's the city where everyone comes to live. You know the population. The, so you know maybe maybe nights as, as opposed without the K. Oh yeah. What about what about something <laughs> thinking about? You know, you you mentioned uh, a lot of people come here to live. I think the Auckland population now is about one point 
four, something like that. So it's getting up there. And you've got lots of different uh, people from different parts of the world living here, but they're all Auckland, right? You want to do that whole whole thing. So maybe tap in a little bit to some of what the Warriors do. What about the Auckland tribe? The Auckland tribe, yeah. Well, tribe's a good, tribe's a good brand. I quite like that. Someone I know that someone has actually already got that brand and using it. Um, but yeah, mate, you might be onto something there. Well, somebody's already got the aces, but you know that doesn't seem to bother you, Kempi. <laughs> no, not at all. Let's not get at it. all. Uh, get in there and keep them coming through. <laughs> double eight, double three. Your ideas for the name of this Auckland A League franchise. We are eight away from seven. It's three away from seven o'clock here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. We've been talking about the Auckland A-League franchise. We're going to do more of that in the next hour. Andrew Pragnell, the CEO of New Zealand Football, is going to come on. Of course, a lot happening for New Zealand football uh, at the moment with the All Whites in action today. The Football Ferns uh, confirmed to be playing in Colombia uh, in December and the under seventeen is just finishing a World Cup plus, of course, this new A-League franchise. And uh, lots of texts through about what the name of this new Auckland franchise should be. Uh, this text here had no name on it, but why does it need a name? Just Auckland FC would be enough. Only seven teams in the A-League have an actual name. The Raw, the Victory, the Jets, the Mariners, Phoenix, Glory and Wanderers. That is true. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of, 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 of traditional names, personally. But Auckland FC is taken. So I know that there was another consortium trying to get this A-League licence and they've already registered Auckland FC. So that can't, unless they buy it. Uh, that that's taken. Auckland City's taken because Auckland City that played the Club World Cup and played the National League, and Auckland United who also played the National League. So those names are taken. So they can't use any of those. Uh, Joe has texted through. Hey boys, how about Auckland immigration? As the best thing about Auckland is leaving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the city is full of imports as it is. It's an apt name for 2023 Auckland. That's from Joe. Thanks, Joe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, keep them coming through. Double eight. Any, any of those? Grab. I'm still. I'm still liking the Auckland traffic so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I don't mind the Rangers. Uh, I think the Aces is the one in front at the moment because um, it's not being used and not. <laughs> Get any traction here in Auckland, um, but yeah, I thought they. I actually thought that people would come out flying with, uh, you know, having their pot shots at Auckland too. I thought the Jeffers well, would have been the first one coming there's, out. There's a few pot shots, mate. There's a few pot shots. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Those are coming through. Want to hear from you too? Double eight, double three. So uh, get your ideas through to us for the name of the Auckland A League franchise. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear in a couple of weeks what the team's going to be called. I've got a feeling they've got a bit up their sleeve already, but and they're just going to. Progressively announced stuff, but it's Auckland already United. Ready to go. It's taken. Auckland City. Taken. Auckland FC. Taken. Okay. That's why I said AFC Auckland because it ties in AFC Bournemouth, which mm. Bull Folly also owns. But we'll see. Keen to hear from you. Double eight, double three. Keep them coming through. Andrew Pregnell, CEO of New Zealand Football, is going to join us in the next hour. So is Nick Garcia. He's the commissioner for the A Leagues. He was here yesterday at that launch as well, uh, and we'll ask him why they've gone with Bill Foley's bid, because uh, I know there are a couple of other bids out there, so we'll, we'll ask him that and a few other things. If you've got any questions for those guys, get them through to us on double eight double three. Let's catch up with Aroha now for the latest in news, see what's happening uh, around the country and around the world. Here it is, thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 
Kia ora, good morning and welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SENZ. It is five past seven coming up shortly. Andrew Pragnall, the CEO of New Zealand Football, is going to join us. Nick Garcia, the A-Leagues Commissioner, before eight o'clock as well. It is tradies hour, so uh, start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. Now, I've got a who am I for you as well, clue number two. Uh, I have been to two Olympics and won one of each medal. I've been to two Olympics and won one of each medal. $100 Adidas golf voucher up for grabs. Get away with Adidas golf. Visit adidas.co.nz slash golf. T's and C's apply. Uh, get your answer through to us on double eight double three. Double eight double three is the text line. And we are still asking for names for this new Auckland A-League franchise as well. Had a, had a few a uh, few through here. Uh, DJ Timmy, who is born and bred and died in the wool Cantab, has said, what about the Auckland second half capitulation like most of their teams? <laughs> thanks, thanks, Very Timmy. good, very Thank, good. I like that. Uh, the Super City Mana from Nick, not bad. I like that too, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, what about the Auckland Marlin, fast and nimble? That's come through. It's, it's, I quite like that. And this is very clever too. What about the Auckland? You've heard of Aston Villa. Yeah. What about Auckland Villa? Suits the inner suburbs that they probably reside in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Like what about that. the Auckland Astros? The Auckland Astros? Well, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, the CEO of New Zealand Football's got a few ideas. He joins us now. Andrew Pradnell, good morning to you, sir. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, mate, pleasure. And thanks for coming on. We, 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 this morning we were talking about this, this new A-League franchise that uh, got officially rubber-stamped yesterday. And, and, and we're asking people to name the thing because obviously they're, they're, we haven't got the name yet. Uh, have, have you got any preferences? Are, are you a, you're like a moniker? You're like a, you know, something you have a mascot for? Or are you a bit more of a traditional man? Oh, I'm actually a bit of a tra- traditionalist, if I'm honest there. Um yeah, the, the whole uh, gimmicky mas- mascot thing doesn't sit that well with me. Um, I could throw some funny ones at you, but I uh, yeah, I prefer an Auckland FC or an Auckland AFC if I could. Yeah, yeah, I do like AFC Auckland. Ties in with the Bournemouth thing, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does, yep. Yeah, we've had the Auckland Rangers and the Auckland Traffic suggested. <laughs> Traffic, I, I, yeah. I mean, it resonates, but uh, I'm not sure about the fans. <laughs> Hey uh, Andrew, what's it, what's it actually mean to to New Zealand to get another um, A League team uh, playing out of out of uh, Auckland? Oh, it's huge. Uh, yeah, look, this is a watershed moment for the game in the country. Um, obviously, another professional club, two more professional teams. Um, it, mean, it means a lot. Um, it's obviously going to be more football in the media. More um, our talent pathway is infinitely strengthened. Strengthened even more so by the fact that it's a multi club ownership model um you know you've got an owner who is talking about pathways into scotland into the premier league so that's enormous um more money into the system we've also got an owner who's interested in investing in the community game uh so on every level our national teams will be strengthened our competitions will be strengthened the game will continue to grow faster i'd, I'd say your bottom line would be strengthened too because you've got now an auckland a side coming in on the back of all these world cups and and of course the premiership the epl and the TAB um, dollars with Auckland Auckland City coming in or whoever they called Auckland AFC whatever, uh, sh- surely that's good for the national body. Yeah, it's good in every respect. Um, so I mean, even even seeing more players into uh, top quality environments means that when there are transfer fees or when um, those players attend World Cups, there are solidarity payments. The international football economy has got a, a trickle down system that that flows down into um, all parts of the game. So that's really positive. Um, yeah, and certainly um, expecting to see more of our players go into 
and stronger team. So, yes, uh, and strong on the on the gambling front as well. Um, and just generally, interest in football is growing. So, um, it's nice to see. Obviously, we've been strong in the participation space for for years. Um, but you know, sometimes I think the area we have lacked a little is media presence because mm. our teams are playing abroad so often. Um, and I think this is going to um, double that at least. Yeah, it's an interesting one. You actually, I was thinking about it the other day, Andrew. And I, you know, when I played over thirties at Metro for a few years ago, <laughs> you know, everybody gets together and, and has a training on a Wednesday and plays on a Saturday. Uh, but if the Phoenix were playing, for example, in Auckland, and you ask the team, you know, who's going to the game, there'd be maybe two or three. Uh, but if the All Blacks are playing in Auckland, everybody's going, you know. So it's still, well, the participation was in the game. The forefront of sport was was still another sport. So you're thinking that that, sh- that might shift in the next sort of five to ten years with this new uh, new franchise? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you know it, right? That football's the biggest sport in the country, um, but we haven't sort of seen that reflected in... Um, some of the media presence. I think there's a lot of factors that are, that are causing that, but some of it is definitely uh, the absence of the, or not the absence, but the lack of the professional game in the country, and combined with the fact that our national teams are so often playing away in, in these international windows, often at difficult times. So um, another professional side, and you know, I have um, aspirations to see a third A League team in the South Island as well. Is going to is going to um, amplify that presence hugely. Uh, and of course, the national teams, you know, um, a men's team going to the World Cup in 2026. All of those those things are going to contribute to a far better uh, media footprint in this country. Now, Andrew, the, the, the relationship between New Zealand football and the Wellington Phoenix um, of late has certainly been stronger than it, than it used to be. And, uh, you know, we've seen that, the partnership for the women's team leading into the Women's World Cup and things like that. Uh, what about the partnership between New Zealand football and this new A-League uh, franchise out of Auckland? How, how much will there be between the two? Yeah, I think it'll be really positive. Um, and as you, as you note, the, the work we did with the Phoenix on the women's um, team was enormous and brought us much closer together, which is where we need to be. Um, this new club will, will join with the Phoenix in, in part of a, a group called the Professional Clubs um, Group. Uh, they become members of ours. Um, but the area we're most interested in working with them is in the, particularly in the academy space, uh, making sure that um, the talent development work that they're doing in their academies are aligned with our community clubs who do a lot of hard graft in that space as well. Um, so that that's absolutely key. If we get that alignment, then everyone benefits. So that that's um, important. But of course, um, we expect their reserves teams will be participating in our competitions, men's and women's. Um, so that's it's really important for them as well um, and enable them to have a, um, uh, yeah, competitions that they can participate in domestically helps grow their brand. Uh, and of course, we want to promote them as well. We want them to be commercially successful. How does that? How does that actually? Um, when you're talking about trickle down uh, financially, work when you've got your pathways working so well. Say, for instance, you have a young young player he signs for a German club, he get picks up five million dollars. How much of that goes back to a club here in New yep. Zealand? You there, Andrew? We well, seem just just seem to have dropped them off there. Yeah, it was interesting though about what he said. So because what he said there about those clubs. Uh, I mean, at the moment we have the Phoenix Women's and Phoenix Men's team. The reserves play in the national leagues, men's and women's. Uh, so if they do that with this new Auckland franchise as well, are they going to have to expand the national league beyond the, the current teams as well? You know, so that that's something else that probably needs to be talked about. So uh, hopefully we can get Andrew uh, back on the line. I know he's uh, he's, he's prepping. 
uh, for the the All Whites game against Ireland. That kicks off at mm. 8.45 uh, this morning. But, uh, yeah, keep your ticks rolling through too for names. Uh, there's a few that we can't read out. Uh, but um, Auckland Arfas, uh from Davo in Crusaderville. Um, yeah, I think, there you go, you're getting a few of of what you thought you would get at the beginning there, Kempe. <laughs> Here's another one, Cone City FC. Yes, yeah, I can't see that one being picked up, to be honest. I can't see that one being picked up, but uh, I think we've got Andrew back. Uh, let's just go back to him. Sorry, Andrew. Um, Kempe, you were you were saying? I'll just, I'll just ask him the question about the trickle-down effect, Andrew. And, um, you know, if you've got their pathways all working, you get a young boy or young girl to head overseas, say, and say the transfer fee gets paid through to... Uh, New Zealand of five million dollars. How much of that actually goes back to the grassroots and the and the club? Yeah, reasonable figures. Um, obviously, it depends on the, the transfer fee. But um, uh, right back to the age of ten, clubs that are involved in the development of uh, a player um, are recipients of what is generally hundreds of thousands of dollars. If the if the fees in the fives or the tens of millions of dollars. And the, the example I'd give is is when Chris, Chris Wood transferred over to Newcastle, we saw literally hundreds of thousands of dollars go back into the Waikato football community. So clubs mm. that have been involved in his development on when he was 10, 11, 12, 13 and 14, um, all re- recipients. So um, that's that's definitely one way. The other, the other way that's enormously beneficial is when we get players to World Cups. Um, uh, FIFA have a uh, scheme called the Club Benefit Scheme. Uh, we'll see an announcement soon out of the Women's World Cup in which... All of the clubs in New Zealand who help develop uh, uh, our football firms will be recipients of, of decent chunks of money, um, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars for their role in developing those players. Um, with us going to the World Cup again in 2026, we're going to see this more and more often. So um, it's, it's a chance to really kickstart our football economy. What, you mentioned too having the Auckland teams uh, having having a, a men's and a women's team in the in the national competitions here. Does that mean you're going to actually expand uh, our national leagues at men's and women's once these teams come in? And would we look at maybe potentially with this more money coming in grassroots now having that national league be you know instead of nine games for example that it is at the moment it's eighteen and we have home and away again? Yeah, look, there's, there's going to be a whole lot of ramification so absolutely in regards to their their reserve side playing in the national league um i think that's a must in the in the same way that the wellington phoenix do um we've obviously got to look at formats yeah i mean long term um you know we're just betting in the the new national league structure that we um launched a couple of years back uh long term we'd like to see it be longer it's always a cost and sustainability question um, but we'll have to look at formats because even with the Auckland reserve sides coming in, that's potentially disruptive, and we've got to look at the number of rounds. But I think, you know, it's good for it's good for our top uh, top amateur clubs to be playing against um, uh, the academy sides, and it's good for the academy's brand to be playing against them as well. Well, on the international um, stage, you've got Ireland coming up this morning, and you've got the women taking on Colombia shortly. But the under 17s how how do you think their tournament went? Yeah, look, I mean, I think uh, for, for most people that are across that age group, um, they know this is it's really a developmental experience. So clearly, clearly we didn't um, get any results from the three games. Uh, but I think it's not until you talk to the coach about the individuals, how they played, uh, what what their resilience is and what their likely trajectory is as players, um, you know, whether they've grown from the experience or that's going to take a step back. Those will be the key things for us. Um, uh, obviously, it's, it's nice to win, but at that age group, um, it's more about the 
yeah, the learning opportunity. So, um, I mean, there's obviously some, there's a couple of great prospects in there, including um, one who's with Burnley now. Um, so, you know, we're looking at future all whites um, and, and where, where they might end up. Yeah, it's an interesting one you see that because, you know, I guess from an optics point of view, it didn't look great, Andrew. And we used to, you know, the last, maybe we've been a little bit spoiled, but the last few under 17, under 20 World Cups, we've actually been pretty competitive and got out of groups. Um, what was the, you know, when you talked to Martin uh, ahead of that tournament, what were the goals for the team? Yeah, and you're right about being spoiled. I sometimes don't think um, people realise our under 20s um, men's side have got out of to the round of 16, uh, the last three editions of the FIFA World Cups, which is which is almost unheard of. Mm. Um, they're often competing against European team, uh, teams who have multi-million dollar budgets, uh, and we're certainly not operating at that level. So um, we've been incredibly successful, and it was only five years back that our under-17s ended up with a medal uh, in the women's team uh, when they when they uh, competed in Uruguay. Um, I think, uh, I mean, there's so many factors. Obviously, Mexico and Germany are... Are tough opponents. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk, talk to Marty, um, but certainly our view around the 17s program, it is 100% developmental. I know that often a fan will look at something and go, we, we, sh- we don't want it a result. Well, actually, we're interested in creating future all whites. Um, if it was a good developmental experience for them, um, if they are going to grow, if we're going to put them into better environments, those, those are the outcomes we're looking out of, out of this. So um, that's something we'll sort of debrief and review when Martin's back. Yep, good stuff, mate. All right, and uh, as Kempe mentioned, uh, we kick off against Ireland at, at, at 8.45. I know you've, you've cleared your calendar this morning, so you can sit down and, and enjoy that one. Um, uh, what are you expecting from t- uh, this morning's game? Uh, I think it'll be competitive. Um, as you've seen, we're playing, um, they're always playing regularly, they're playing every international window, and they're playing top 50 opposition, and we've got a great team. Um, I know we'll be competitive. This is this again, though, is about us getting winning games at the 2026 World Cup. Noting we have, we still have to qualify. So, um, yeah, looking forward, looking forward to a competitive game that prepares us to win games in 2026. Good stuff, Andrew. Appreciate your time this morning, mate. We'll let you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you stretch the hammies and get ready to hit the couch, eh? <laughs> Brilliant. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Andrew Pragnall, the uh, CEO of New Zealand Football. Need a new mobile plan? Visit Kogan Mobile. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. It is 7.25 on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. 0800 1508 11 8833. Looking for team names for this uh, Auckland A-League franchise that uh, was officially announced yesterday. Uh, this one has come through from Gav up north. Morning, boys. What about the Auckland Stallions for the men and the Auckland Phillies for the women's mm, team? Yep, yeah, pretty good. You got them, got them both covered there, yeah. um, Phillies and Stallions. So I think, I think uh, that brand, you know, geez, they'll probably be driving around in Mustangs, wouldn't they? Yeah, they'd have to be. I like that. What, Harbour FC? No. Ha- no, Harbour FC? Harbours? Well, it refers to North Sh- the North Shore, doesn't it? Well, you've got Waitamata Harbour and Manukau Harbour. So, like, Auckland is surrounded North by Harbour. harbours. North Harbour, I suppose. Yeah, 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 there you go. Um, so there's a few there. Uh, keep them coming through on double eight double three. Uh, Paddy uh, has... Uh, has questioned the idea of uh, creating all whites rather versus winning games at uh, at junior level. He said, um, 
An age grade tournament where your biggest goal is to create all whites. Your biggest goal should be to win, make the playoffs. Creating all whites will come with success. Imagine the junior all blacks going to the under twenty rugby world cup and saying we don't care if we win or lose, we just want to produce all blacks. Well that's basically what they have done the last two times. Well TF. Um, <laughs> exactly. they, they get, get ridiculed. Get... I like Marley uh, Marley Lulu's family. Uh, having to call New Zealand football to let them know who wants to play for New Zealand. New Zealand football should be mm. monitoring these young players and actively recruiting them. Yep, so Mar- Marley Luluai, it's... Um, uh, Kylie, isn't it? Kylie Luluai, who played yeah. for uh, Parramatta and also for Leeds uh, in rugby league. His son has just signed a, a junior contract up there in the UK. Or a professional contract. A professional contract. Yeah, with uh, Burnley. Yeah, um, and, and he's been on the radar for a long time. Oh, look, I'll, I'll give Andrew Pregnall the benefit here in saying that I think he was talking from a CEO's point of view, saying that we want all whites. Mm. Like, it's just a given that they go to either win. They don't go, no one goes to tournaments to lose. You try and get, you know, even if you know that you're outgunned, um, you still go there and you try and cause an upset. So I, I hear what you're saying, Paddy, but I don't think, you know, even as 17 year olds, none of those guys will go there and go, oh, well, just hope I can keep my white jersey. Yeah, right. Uh, keep your text rolling through, though. Uh, some interesting conversations to be had on that double eight, double three. I tell you, another interesting conversation is around truth and lies. We've got two truths, one lie. You have to tell us which the lie is. This is thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Their Black Friday sale is on and we've got a balanced protein prize pack valued at over $150 to give away. Two truths, one lie. Robbie, you kick it off. I will do so. With my story today, which is um, although cricket is my main game, I played a lot of tennis when I was younger. Won a interclub tournament around all of Auckland when I was 13, uh, but a stress fracture in my foot kept me from going any further. Okay, that is Robbie's. What about yours, Kempi? Yep, well, you know, I found it really hard to make ends meet when I first uh, kicked off my footy career and ended up heading down to Wellington and uh, having to work a couple of, couple of extra jobs, and one of them for the great Nicky Mills, uh, he knew that I was a pretty decent basketballer um, hanging out with him and offered to give me a job as bouncing his doors for his clubs down there, Candios and the likes. Yeah, there you go. All right, and mine. And I've done a bit of homework since I last gave this clue because I uh, uh, gave my statement was that uh, my band were one of the first New Zealand bands, if not the first New Zealand black band, to play Vector Arena, right? Because I knew that we played, we opened for Corn, and it was not long after Vector Arena open and I've done some homework and I've gone back through and gone okay so we played there a year after it opened and there was some band I think who might have picked us called Split Ends um, and another band called Crowded House that did play there before who, we did. Well, who are they? I'm not sure I don't know apparently they're Kiwis though uh, so uh, yeah so <laughs> undercards. Uh, it must have been uh, yeah, must they didn't play before you? N- uh, possibly maybe that's why I didn't notice yeah, uh, yeah but there, so there you go but well, yeah that, that is mine that uh, played uh, Victor Arena opening for Corn. Double eight double three. Who is the liar? Who is the liar? Tell us double eight double three, and uh, you could win. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse and Balance $150 Balance Protein Pack. Could be all yours. And uh, keep your texts coming through as well on double eight double three. The Rangers is a good name. Up the R's, that's from Richard, who I, <laughs> I suspect is either a Queen's Park Rangers or a Glasgow Rangers fan. Uh, and the Auckland Prematures from Mark. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, well, you know, from from Taranaki Harcourt here, so... Um, geez, I thought I thought there'd be a lot more coming in around names for Auckland, but there's some good ones out there. Uh, yep, I, I don't mind the rain. Like the Rangers, like 
But don't they appeal to both the young and the old, don't they? Mm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I was talking to a few people yesterday at the event, um, including Nick, who's the new CEO, and saying, you know, when I first got involved in Block 5 with the with the Football Kings years and years ago, was that about 99? Uh, you know, it was very much expats made up the bulk of that and, and people who were big English football fans. And so the, the fandom was a lot like that. So there was a lot of chance, you know, like if a if a if an opposition player went down injured in inverted commas, there would be often the chant would be dig a hole, dig a hole, dig a hole, let him die, let him die, let him die. You know, things like that, which yeah. now you probably wouldn't get so much. Now no. like the, the current the generation of say maybe twelve, thirteen to say t- mid twenties, that generation, are more likely to just to celebrate their team than have a crack at the oppo. And actually write some decent lyrics. Yeah, well, and that, <laughs> potentially, and that. Well, I could give you a few more, but none of them are safe for radio. No. So, uh, uh, but yeah, keep them coming through your options for uh, the A-League Auckland team. What do you think it should be called? Double eight, double three is the text line here at SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Let's catch up with Araha now with news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Good morning, it is 27 away from 8 o'clock here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Kennard's Hire makes your job easy, kennards.co.nz. Let's check out some sports news headlines for you. Uh, a record 1.25 million fans attended matches during the 13th edition of the Cricket World Cup, the ICC have said. A total of 1,250,307 fans watched between October the 5th and November the 19th from the stands, surpassing the previous mark of 1.016 million set at 2015 over New Zealand and Australia. While the early matches not involving runners-up, India had plenty of empty seats in the venues. Overall spectator figures had surpassed the 1 million mark with six games to go. I wonder how many of them had earbuds in and were listening to Daniel McCarty's commentary of those games. Mm. Probably, probably quite a few, I would imagine. Uh, now, Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula One W04 car has smashed auction records. It was driven in the 2013 season and is the last of the 2.4 litre V8s. The record for a modern Formula One sale had previously been held by a car with championship-winning pedigree, the F2003 GA Ferrari, driven by Michael Schumacher in his sixth series triumph. That sold last year for 14.9 million US. This, this Ham- yeah, this Hamilton race has smashed that, uh, going for 18.815 million. So, so you know, so you know the V8 engines. The yeah. V8 engines are being discontinued. Yes. So in a lot of a lot of brands, V8 engines are being discontinued because everyone's going. You know, um, we got to go electric and we got to stop the fuel consumption, fuel consumption, and the and the pollution. So if you got a V8 in 2023, mm. what is it going to be worth in 2043? Oh, exactly. I mean, my uncle's got a. Uh, um, a GDO Monaro, nineteen. I think it's got a nineteen seventy GDO Monaro. I mean those those things. It's a you, beautiful car. Those things are worth over a hundred grand now. What are they going to be worth in? Yeah, like you say twenty years time. Yeah, uh, and the Athletic has surveyed eighty five NFL players on the best and worst stadiums around the league. Arrowhead Stadium, home of the Kansas City Chiefs, came out on Auckland top. Arrows. The Auckland Arrows, there he goes, and Kempi's always thinking. Minnesota Vikings uh, Stadium, the US Bank Stadium was second, and the LA Rams and Chargers Sophie Stadium was in third. They also sounded off about the worst venues to play in. The worst venues? 
MetLife Stadium that the Giants and the Jets share in New York, voted by players. Really? Yeah, there you go. So a little bit of NFL news for you as well. Uh, interesting to see what the players think of that. Ken Hire makes your job easy. Talk to someone who has taken the Ken Oath today. It is 25 away from 8. When we come back, we're going to catch up with Nick Garcia, the A-League's commissioner. It is 19 away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. It's Ian Kempe for breakfast. It is Tradies Hour with night and day. You can brew yourself up a hell of a coffee from just $4.50. Got to welcome into the show now the commish, the commissioner of the A-Leagues, Nick Garcia. Kind of sounds like you, 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 you're running something else out of Philadelphia sounds or like New York. Al, Al Pacino. Yeah. G'day, Nick. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Good. Now, all morning we've been talking about uh, this new A-League franchise that is going to be based out of Auckland. Everybody, obviously, the first thing everybody wants to know is what this thing is going to be called, right? And, and we don't have a name yet. So I've been asking people to give us some names. Uh, we've had the Auckland Athletics, so we could go with the Auckland A's, the Auckland Arrows, uh, Tamaki Makoto FC, or as you may have experienced on your way from the airport yesterday, what about the Auckland Traffic? Have you, have you got a preference? <laughs> Definitely not the Auckland traffic. Um, <laughs> the Auckland days sounds a bit too much like the Oakland days. But there's some good names coming through there. I like to keep, keep them coming. We'll pass them on to the owners. And I'm sure they'd value it. <laughs> and, what, and what about the owner um, uh, and his excitement to be down here? I know that he lives in New Zealand, but his excitement to be down here with an A-League team, is that um, sort of resonating through through what you guys are trying to achieve? Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, we, we've been on a... The Auckland part of this journey has been a year long in terms of the whole kind of strategy and working out. We we love Auckland as a market. We think it's absolutely right for a new A-Leagues team. There's massive kind of football participation here. Lots of football fandom. It's the biggest city in the region that hasn't got an A-Leagues team. So we were all in on Auckland. The question then is, can you find the right owner? And uh, and actually, there was, there was a lot of, as I'm sure you're aware, there was a lot of kind of interest in the mm. club. And uh, we ended up in a bidding process. But... Bill Foley and what he's done, you know, he's obviously got the multi-club thing, which is the, the latest kind of must-have in uh, in global football right now. So he's got a, a team in the English Premier League in Bournemouth. He's got a team in Ligue 1 in France, in Lorient. And, uh, and of course, he's got the Vegas Golden Knights, not a football team, but a, a very successful NHL team, which just won the Stanley Cup. Um, and now he's adding that with a, with a football team uh, here in Auckland, which is, um, which is really exciting because he's a, like really sophisticated global sports investor. You know, these people are um, not just club owners at this point. All of our club owners own a stake in the league. So we sit around the boardroom table with them. We work out problems with them. We want we want brilliant people that are building our league. So we're really delighted. Hey Nick, so just for for me and Rick, okay, because we live here in Auckland and you know we we appreciate the city and and don't really understand the due diligence and the. I guess the mechanisms that you have to have to go through to get someone like a Foley to to invest in Auckland, like what is it like from your perspective? What is it about Auckland that is so attractive as a as a franchise? So I don't want to bore you too many details, but tell me if you want more. So we we basically look at a number of things. The first thing is in this round of expansion for us, it's we're going to go to markets we went in right to to grow the A League to take it to new fans. So the first thing is, what does the fan base look like? So how, how many kind of football supporters are there? How many people are participating in football? Because we know the people that play football tend to follow the A-Leagues. And those numbers are both really strong in Auckland. Um, the other thing is sports infrastructure. 
you know, the having the right sized rectangular stadium with a football pitch rather than playing in ovals and stuff like that is really important to us. And, and you have that here in Auckland as well. Um, and the other thing with with football, um, and certainly you know, I'm I'm probably a year now living in, I live in Sydney, but I'm, I'm probably tell from accent, I'm a Brit. Um, but the, the demographic in Australia and New Zealand is really changing. A lot of people coming in from football first countries. And Auckland is such a diverse population. Um, and football is a, a sport that, you know, the, the world sport, which transcends kind of so many different um, different nationalities that Auckland was just kind of right from it from that from that side of things so we we obviously did that kind of a lot of that strategic thinking in in like an ivory tower if you like and we said well let's let's test it so I've spent the last six months um with a number of members of my team going back and forth to Auckland really understanding the football community here meeting with them seeing what what might work what what you would need to avoid and it's just been complete overwhelming support of the team here so we were really pleased to see that the Ivory Tower strategy bit actually was right, and then we tweaked it, and then it's a case of going to the market and finding the right owner. Nick, on that, I mean, I know that Auckland City FC, which you, you'll be aware of, have been trying to get a, a license for a while, and I know they were they were part of the bidding, and there was another uh, conglomerate as well, which uh, included Ryan Nelson and Tim Brown, two very big names in New Zealand football from a from an all whites point of view. Um, so, why Bill Foley's bid versus the other bids? So obviously, I can't comment on on any of the other bids. Um, I think Bill Foley's bid, um, and actually, it was go back before the bid. It was from the first conversation we had with him, when he talked about his real desire to engage the community and create a club for the community that is sustainable but also wins. Um, but it wasn't just talk, right? Because he just done that um, with the Vegas Golden Knights, and you can see all all the kind of details behind that. I think, you know, building an ice hockey team in, in the desert is, is ambitious. And he got a lot of, uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't get the most support at the beginning. I think he said there was something like two or 300 people that would ice skate or play ice hockey in, in, uh, in Vegas at the time. Now there's five and a half thousand. He's put ice rinks in, he's put deep roots into the community. It's something like the 42nd smallest market in the US in terms of uh, where NHL teams play. And he's in the top five or top 10 revenues. So the guy really knows how to run sports teams and put those routes into the community. So when the conversation started there, as opposed to, and I'm just talking generally in sport here, people going, how many star players can I get? You know, what, what, what can I get out of the Premier League? And that kind of thing, that bringing in superstar players for the season, thinking very much about the first team, that's, that's not the conversation we want to have. The conversation we want to have is how do I put roots into the community? How do I develop young talent that will play in the league as youngsters go on to bigger things, whether it's for national team or European clubs? That's the conversation we're having. So, so that bit was um, was a really good start. It was also a very easy conversation about the license because we were aligned on values. I mean, we actually agreed commercial terms of the deal in principle in 48 hours over a weekend wow. on two calls. It's, you know, what you know when the deals go like that, that there's really good alignment. And the first call we had with, with, with um, Bill's chief investment advisor, as usual, that was normally how it would work. Second call, the next morning, Bill was on the phone. And he's been in every major meeting since. So the other thing is he really leads from the front. He's absolutely front and center of this. He cares deeply about it. And you'll see the other franchises, whether it's Bournemouth, whether it's Vegas, uh, Golden Knights, he really leans into them. And, uh, and that's exactly what we want from an owner.
That's, and that is so awesome. And, and given, let's have that conversation that you've talked about football and community and stuff like that. The other one is the commercial realities of someone who's so heavily invested in New Zealand and, and has a lot of ownership down on the waterfront. Has there been discussions about a waterfront stadium? Because there's three of them at the moment and at council. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm aware of the broader discussions in Auckland and clearly, as I've talked about before, we've engaged the whole football community and it was a point that just kept coming up and I don't think there was ever a clear resolution. Um, there's been a lot of talk around Bill, um, you know, intimating that he wants a stadium. I think, I think if he did, that would be very much a phase two for the club, but it would be definitely a question to ask him. Yeah, all right, Nick. Uh, the other other team that's supposed to, supposedly, I don't know if you can confirm this or not, but uh, if, if rumours are to be, I believe the 14th team is going to be based in Canberra. Can you confirm or deny? And, and when will we get news on the 14th team? Yeah, so look, it's always been our intention to put it in Canberra. Um, as part of the kind of, in this expansion plan, we wanted to put teams where we knew, we knew they'd succeed because of all the stuff I talked through before. And we ranked 13 markets across Australia and New Zealand, and Auckland and Canberra were top, um, by, by some way, actually. So, um, so Canberra is something we've been working hard on, and we've had a number of discussions there. We've spent an awful lot of time in market. Uh, it's a different proposition uh, to Auckland, but really solid proposition um, nonetheless. We're at a stage right now with um, very advanced discussions, I'd say, with a bidder uh, on Canberra, and uh, I'd hope to have an update on that in the coming weeks. And uh, just before we let you go, mate, uh, obviously an issue that has uh, been there because we're talking about clubs based in New Zealand and playing in an Australian comp. So you've got a, a team, teams from Oceania playing in an Asian confederation. Uh, is there any change or any discussion with AFC about Champions League uh, qualification for New Zealand-based teams now there's going to be two in the league? Yeah, it's it's um it's a point we're really conscious of, and it's been something we've been kind of looking at and discussing for a while now. I think certainly having two teams in New Zealand allows us to kind of up the ante on that discussion. Um, whether it's AFC, whether it's OFC, kind of obviously it could naturally fit in either. Um, I don't know. I think the really interesting thing is we're going to be moving into a much expanded FIFA Club World Cup soon, and uh, and the ability to qualify for that I think would be uh, would be really good for these teams. Um, so no, all I can say on that is that it, it it is a discussion to your question, and it's one that's ongoing. Good stuff, Nick. Appreciate your time, mate. Uh, enjoy your time here in New Zealand. I know you're you're staying for uh, the game this weekend, the Phoenix uh, at uh, Go Media Stadium, Mount Smart. So enjoy that, enjoy your stay, and uh, hopefully we can talk again in the future. Shall do. Thanks for your time, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, Nick Garcia, the Commissioner of the A-Leagues, uh, there with us on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Yeah, interesting what he had to say about Auckland. The, the You know, everywhere they looked at it, that was the number one option. That's right, number one option. And, and really interesting how he kept the conversation around the stadium really short. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, mate, we, we, we're definitely talking about that. Well, did you notice, though, that he said they wanted a stadium that was rectangular? Yeah. So well, and, of it. course, they need a rectangular stadium down on the waterfront. That rules out Eden Park, though, doesn't yeah, it? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I, I think I think we're going to hear a lot more about um, the owner of the Auckland A League side and the new stadium. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, keep your texts coming through on that. Uh, what do you think the name of the team should be? Uh, we are eight away from eight on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. We're three minutes away from eight o'clock. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just four dollars fifty at your local night and day. It is tradies hour. Yesterday, I tell you what. 
Not too many tradies around Princess Wharf and, and Auckland City uh, and uh, SMO, the uh, the bar, uh, sorry, SOM, the bar uh, that uh, Bill Foley owns down on Princess Wharf. Uh, caught up with uh, Bill at the stand-up and I asked him this question. Bill, you mentioned being um, you know, ingrained in parts of New Zealand, particularly the other end of the North Island. Did you at any point investigate whether or not you could buy the Wellington Phoenix so you didn't have to fly out of Wellington all the time? I didn't investigate it. Um, I really, th- I thought this was a way to get involved with a football club from the ground up. We have a, a blank sheet of paper. Everything we've, every, we're going to hire an entire staff and put it together and, and make it this team. So I didn't want to take on, not that I know they're for sale or not for sale, but I didn't want to get involved in an existing franchise. I'd rather just build it from the ground up. And it's exciting. And I definitely wanted the team in Auckland. I thought that was very important. This is the this is the business hub of New Zealand, and I know we'll do really well here on the business side. We'll do well on the community side, and I just set the Vegas Golden Knights out as my example in what we've done in that community in terms of how involved we are with three foundations, what we support, how we've built youth hockey. Uh, it went from 250 skaters to over 5,000 today. And it's because of the, of the sheets of ice we built and our commitment to the community. And if you talk to people in Las Vegas, they'll tell you that our team is embedded in the community and they're embedded with us. And we'll do the same thing here in Auckland. That was Bill Foley yesterday. What did, what did that tell you, Kempi? Well, basic, basically that uh, he's going to end up retiring here in New Zealand. He loves that and he loves Auckland. Um, and I think this is a, a bigger play than just football. Yeah, I think so too. I think, I think it's a, a bit. I, th- I think I think you look at you look at someone like Bill Foley, and you go, he's already invested heavily in the waterfront. I think this is a massive grab on the waterfront. Yeah, you could be right. Could be right. Uh, JD's texted through, said Kempi, who is going to pay for this new stadium? All the NFL clubs get major state funding. There's more chance of Winston going to David Seymour's Christmas lunch than the Auckland Council funding a new stadium. Do I, do I have to do I have to say how much money that guy's got? <laughs> no, you do not. Here's Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in stock catalogue is out now. Yes, good morning, Kia ora. Welcome into the show. It is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. And we've got, who am I? Clue number three for you for a $100 Adidas golf voucher. Get away with Adidas golf. Visit adidas.co.nz. Get away with golf. T's and C's apply. Here you go. Here is clue number. Oh, actually, I'm going to give you all three clues because they, they start really cryptically and then maybe a little bit more obvious. Clue one was, I represent New Zealand but was born in Australia. Clue two was, I've been to two Olympics and won one of each medal. So they obviously compete in multiple disciplines. And clue number three, I was not alive in the 20th century. At the 2018 Winter Olympics closing ceremony, I became New Zealand's youngest ever flag bearer. Who am I? If you know the answer, double eight, double three, and throw you in, uh, throw yourself in that draw to win a $100 Adidas golf voucher. Coming up this hour, we're going to catch up Paulie Mawati from the TAB. Right now, though, the champion, Joseph Parker, former world champion heavyweight boxer. Got a feeling he's going to give that another nudge as well. And uh, another step towards that is happening December 23rd in Riyadh when he takes on Deontay Wilder. Joe is uh, is training in Ireland at the moment. Morning, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good evening. Thank you for having me on the show. 
Yeah, mate. Uh, my pleasure, mate. This, this card on December 23rd is absolutely mad. From a boxing point of view, so many big heavyweights on it. Almost reminds me a bit of a UFC card that's uh, that's happening in Riyadh uh, just before Christmas. I'll tell you this. The, obviously, Saudi's on board and the, the fight's in Saudi Arabia. And this is probably one of the best cards that we've seen in a long time. Um, you know, we got some great, you know, former champions on it. we got champions on it. <clears throat> and all the matchups are... Uh, exciting fights to watch so for me to be a part of this card i'm extremely excited and this fight that i've locked in i'm i'm, I'm pumped for it you know very pumped oh mate i i, I bet I, I looked at this and i kind of had to go well you know the fight against aj was was a title fight but it feels like this fight against deontay wilder is the biggest fight of your career how do you feel about it i think this is the biggest fight of my career obviously we're not world champions um we're both former champions but wilder's got that uh you know he's got that um the dangerous right hand that everyone's feared, you know. And when they when they put the fight in front of me, I said yes to it straight away because I love to challenge myself. And I know that Wilder, even though he's been inactive, he's still top of his game, and uh, he's still got that dangerous punch. And, I, and I'm all for it. I'm, I'm here for it, for it all. Joe, you've decided to take on the the biggest challenge of your career, I think, um, to date, uh, up against Wilder, who's who's boxing for his his career. Um, what what sort of went through your mind when because this has obviously been on the cards for a while what was going through your mind when you were making that decision that this was the fight that you needed you know they did there was three i had three opponents that they presented to me the first one was zhang and i said yes straight away the second one and then that was going for a while then they said to me okay no you're fighting down dubai i said yep lock me in and then that went on for a week and then then they said, Deontay Wilder, I said, yep, lock me in. I'm like, I'm, I've said it before, like, I'm in boxing to fight the biggest fights out there. Mm. And when, when, I, when I'm when i involved in these big fights, I do rise to the occasion. Obviously, there's a few losses in my career, but <clears throat> there's a lot of things that in my career that I've made changes to. I feel very happy now, you know, with, with uh, trainers, with food, with vocational training and the team that I have. So I'm very confident going into this fight. And I'm honestly... I'm very pumped. Like I'm putting in some great work here in Ireland. I'm going to fly to England in about a week and a half, two weeks time to to train with Tyson and to to pick his brains and to do a lot of sparring with him. And then I'm going to be in Saudi Arabia for two weeks. So I got a good plan in place. I got George Locker here looking after my food. I'm eating great food every day, and I'm training hard of Andy Lee and George Locker doing strength and conditioning. So everything is on point. How how, how important is this um, this trip to the UK to see Tyson and uh, knowing that he's been in that ring with Dante a couple of times and giving you that information on how to get the job done? I think it's very important. You know, the Tyson has shared the ring with Dante three times. Uh, the first one was a draw. The second one, he won that fight. Well, he won the, 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 the next two fights. So I think it's important to go there and to just to, to get into the you know, into training of Tyson and to pick his brains and also just the knowledge that he has of fighting this guy is uh, is above anyone else's knowledge. So I think it's very important to, to link up with him and he's made time to to spar with me and to, to show me a few things that I could to use in the fight. Ultimately, I'm in the fight myself, but I think getting that experience from him will be crucial. Uh, Joe, ages ago, I, I spoke to your old trainer, KB, uh, Kevin Barry, uh, who is a bit of a master of the dark arts, as we we both know. Um, and I asked him about what the, his his uh, uh, approach to fighting Deontay Wilder would be back then. Uh, and, and and one of the things he said to me, he said, he's a big puncher, but he's got skinny wrists. So I'd get my guy to punch his, his fist as he's punching, because he'll probably break his wrist. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Talk about dark arts, Kevin Barry. Uh, I don't know if that's something that's occurred to you before, mate. Is, is it something you, you might chat with Andy Lee about? Listen, I, I haven't really thought about that, but now that you bring it to my attention, I will <laughs> take a closer look into <laughs> into his wrist. <laughs> Listen, he, Deontay, Wilder, Deontay Wilder is the beast, and we all know that, but... And I know he's got it. Listen, a lot of people say he's not the best boxer, but he is. He's he's in the position he's in for a reason. You know, he can box, he can punch, he can move. And I know what you know. We're we're coming up with a very good game plan with the help of Tyson in a few weeks to to counter everything that he brings. And listen, I'm here to win. I want to win, and I want to go on to be champion of the world again. Hey, hey, Joe, can I just talk to you about like your your physicality and the the growth that you've had over the the last uh, few years, being up there as a champ. Lost, lost the bout, came have on your comeback trial. But in between all that, your body's maturing as well. Do you feel a hell of a lot stronger these days and and more resilient than than you did when you started out? How's the body actually feeling? The body's feeling great. Um, you know, uh, along the journey, there's a lot of things that I've tried and different trainers and strength and conditioning trainers and eating this type of food and this boxing coach and. I feel like, like I said before, I feel like I got the right team now, and the body is feeling a lot stronger than it. It's, uh, it's about programming, you know. And if you have the right program, the right training, the right food, um, your body's naturally just going to turn into a beast body. And I feel like that's what I'm turning into now. Well, we saw, you know, a, a great knockout in your last fight, mate, against a guy who was unbeaten and had a lot of knockouts on his uh, on his career as well. How much confidence does that give you as a fighter? Because that's probably been one criticism of you since you moved to the UK is not finishing enough guys. Again, there's a lot of uh, fights where I've been and where I've overtrained. I fought sick. Um, no excuses. I'm just letting you guys know that I fought sick and mm. I've overtrained and left everything into the gym. But I got, like, it's crucial that I got George Lockhart who's not only a master in, in cooking food and nutrition and everything about food and, and water intake each day, but he, everything's balanced now. So mm. I feel like I'm never going to overtrain again, and it's better to be undertrained. And I just got this, this good balance where, and, and I'm just happy. I'm very happy as a fighter, and I feel like going into every fight, I'm just going to give it the best I have, and I know what the best can do. Joe, the, the longer the fight went on with Tyson and uh, Deontay Wilder, the 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 better Tyson got, and the you know he doesn't handle the length of the the rounds as they as they start to go into that back end. Is that part of your strategy? Is to take the fight deep into those those later rounds? Listen, I want to knock him out as soon as I can if I can. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I know, listen, the the longer rounds, uh, it's listen. He did tire uh, the longer the rounds went, but I'm not six foot nine, and I don't have the longest reach in the world like Tyson does. But uh, if I can catch him and, and uh, you know catch him with a flurry of punches and I can knock him out in, in early stages of the fight, that'll be awesome. That'll be a listen. That'll be a nice Christmas present for me and the family. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, that's one of the things I, I remember his fight against Bermain Stavern, uh, where he basically Bermain just stood in front of him and got hit a lot. You know, so uh, movement has got to be key as well, right, Joe? And 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 that is something that we've we've seen improve uh, since you've moved north and, and and been training with Andy Lee as you, as you movement around the ring. Listen, the movement has improved, but it's going to be a lot better this fight, and it needs to be. You can't be standing there in front of someone with a big punch like that and say, hey, bring it on. You know, you're just inviting him to, to unleash his big right hand. So there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of speed, a lot of, a lot of combinations, and I'm going to be very fit and strong leading into this fight, 100%. I'll tell you what, if you reckon under-training is better than over-training, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty dangerous right now, Joe, just quietly. Um, 
But um, what, what what about uh, how, how far uh, are you looking? I mean, you know, I, I know you don't want to count your chickens, mate. But I mean, are you looking and thinking, right? I get I get Deontay Wilder out of my way. What's next? I mean, is there anything in place that uh, if you win this fight, you fight AJ? Yeah, well, listen. This I, I think that what they're doing is they're putting me against Deontay Wilder, and they want Deontay, Deontay to knock me out. They want AJ to fight Otto Wilder, and they want AJ to win, mm, yeah. and they want to put Deontay Wilder and AJ together. But Otto Wilder is a very good fighter himself, so that's going to be a tough fight for AJ. And also, I back myself 100% that I'm going to beat Deontay Wilder. So we are both going to upset these these, these plans that they have. And if uh, if all goes well, I'll be fighting whoever it is uh, in February, March. But I want to keep busy as a fighter. I want to win. Keep busy and keep fighting because the only way you're going to improve and, and get better, get closer to the top. Hey, Joe, did you ever think, you know, as you were growing up and you had this dream of being a boxer that you'd be rubbing shoulders with the likes of Tyson Fury and even, you know, um, being such good mates with one of the best boxers in the world and doing what you're doing? Has it all panned out how you thought it would? Oh, listen, everything that's happened in my career has been a blessing. It's been hard work and it's been sacrifices and, you know, a lot of traveling around the world and fighting in different tournaments and um, just a lot of sacrifice, but it's been very uh, fruitful. And, you know, I am training with Tyson. Him and I communicated back in the day, 2014, we started communicating on social media. And ever since then, we've become very close and he treats me like a brother. So I'm very thankful to him and grateful that, you know, even when I'm in Mork and he gives me the gym, I got the local cafe that he goes to now. I've stolen it and it's my cafe now. I got the Sainsbury. You know, the Sainsbury is like a countdown back in New Zealand, but it's my local Sainsbury. And I've t- he's given me a glove sponsor, giving me the gym, he, one, one of the camps he let me use his house. So just uh, very, very grateful and I feel very blessed to be in the position I'm in. What's, what's, what's your thoughts on the um, Nagano fight, Joe? Like it's just come out this week that Tyson, you know, he, he went back into his shell a little bit after that fight. Like how, how has he been and what are your th- actual thoughts on how that fight went? My thoughts are that, my, my, my opinion is that we had the best camp. We had 12 weeks of training. Tyson. We had George Lockhart doing both our food. Uh, he brought in great sparring partners. Bacoli was on the undercard. He had me, Solomon Dacus. He had a few other sparring partners. So we, he definitely put in the work spots, eight, ten rounds all the time. But I just, uh, I think my opinion is that when you're when you're fighting in Saudi Arabia, and if, if the fight was at 2 a.m., it was 2 a.m. in the morning when when the fight was on, and I feel I feel when you're when you're fighting at that time, you need to train at that time. And I, we weren't really training at the at the time of the fight, you know. So. Mm. It was more like it was a sleep. It was a sleep time when the time came to fight. But the, my opinion is that I think uh, that's why we're going to go there a little bit earlier, just to put in the work and also get uh, accustomed to the time, the heat, you know, and everything else that we have to deal with. Joe, I met you years and years and years ago when you were really a young fighter coming through. I think um, you know, uh, uh, Sir Bob was still uh, still involved with you. Your early part of your career when I first met you and. And then I went over to the US with you uh, for your first American fight in 2014. We went to Bethlehem in, in Pennsylvania, uh, met you know some of the some of the greats over there as well. Larry Holmes, I remember meeting him with you Larry as well. Holmes, yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic yeah. memories, mate. I mean, but what looking back on everything you've learned, what would you say to a young version of yourself, say from 2014 now, after everything that you've you've been through and everything you've learned? Um, do you know what? When I look back. This is the most focused I've ever been in my career. Uh, leading into being champion of the world, I wasn't as focused as I should have been. After being champion of the world, I went downhill and, what, and even more not focused. So looking back now, if I had to give advice to, to my younger self, it's just, you know, I, w- I would like my younger self to be the person I am now. 
focused, determined, doing everything right and going into fights happy because I've done everything I can to be in the best shape possible. Yeah. Hey Joe, like I, I love asking this question. What is this? What is the when you when you're doing your training and you need a little bit of hype music? What is the song that you're listening to at the moment that's getting you going? Uh, bar Bar Black Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Put him to sleep. Count those sheep. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I listen to Can't Be Touched by Roy Jones Jr. It's a, it's a song that I really love. It pumps me up every time I, I listen to the song. And I feel like if you guys listen to it and you're in the gym, you're going to feel this, this buzz to put on the work, lift more weights, do more burpees, and have a good time. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody has a good time doing burpees, Joe, but I understand what you mean. I understand what you mean. Um, mate, <laughs> I appreciate your time this morning, man, uh, or this evening, your time. Really do. Best of luck with the training camp, mate, and hopefully we can catch up before the big fight, eh? Hey, listen, we'll catch up very soon. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks for the support and the love, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Go get him, Joe. Good. Go get him. Go get him, Joe. Joe Parker, champion, champion bloke, champion fighter as well with us here on the He's SCNZ. focused. You know, like that whole that whole conversation was around, like, I'm, I'm so focused. All I want to talk about is my nutrition, my training, my preparation. Even even the question about Nagano and Tyson. Yeah. Like, we just didn't train at that time. Like, again, as soon as he said that, I went, yeah, man, two o'clock, you're probably going to sleep. Yeah. You know, and, and they've identified that as one of the – the risks that they, they went into that fight with and, and probably an opportunity now like he, he's he's doing is going over there early so he can train at the right time and get his body acclimatised to, to not just the weather but also the time the time difference that he's going to have to get out and fight. Yeah, 100%. Like, this is a massive... Seriously? We're not even talking about it here in this country? This is the biggest fight that New Zealand has had since David Tua fought Lennox, Lennox Lewis. Yeah, I th- well, I think you're right. I mean, and that, that was interesting because, as I said to him, you know, when you fought AJ, that was a title fight, but it feels like this is bigger. This is, I, I think I think it's bigger too. I think I think this is bigger because now Joseph Parker is actually growing into the, the, the boxer that actually is a threat. Yeah. You know, and he see, we said that, we said that last week, didn't we? That the fight they want is Dontone Wilder up against Anthony Joshua. Yeah. And Joe Parker's like, well, it changes if I knock him out. No, it's going to be there to spoil the party. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Come on, Joseph. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, keep your text rolling through as well for us on double eight double three. Would you make of what Joe had to say? And how, how do you think he'll go against Deontay Wilder on December the 23rd? Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Need a new mobile plan? Visit Kogan Mobile. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. When you're doing your training and you need a little bit of hype music, what is the song that you're listening to at the moment that's getting you going? Uh, bar Bar Black Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Put him to sleep. Count those sheep. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I listen to Can't Be Touched by Roy Jones Jr. It's a, it's a song that I really love. It pumps me up every time I, I listen to the song. And I feel like if you guys listen to it and you're in the gym, you're going to feel this, this buzz to put in the work, lift more weights. Do more burpees and have a good time. It's 8.25 on SCNZ. It is Ian Kempe for breakfast. What do you reckon, Kempe? You going to do some burpees oh, today? Hell yeah, mate. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, put that in my my playlist and I'm going to listen to it and uh, I'm going to jump on the Joe Parker wagon for what's going to be an absolute you know the good thing about this fight you know the difference between Joe Parker and, and Anthony Joshua in that fight what's that Anthony Joshua didn't want to get hit yeah he just he, he, he danced around the ring because he was scared of Joe Parker I, I'm telling you right now Wilder 
is going to want to knock Joe out, and Joe's going to have to knock him out. So it's going to be a bang fest. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great fight. It's, good. it's a fantastic card, actually. Uh, plenty of texts coming through. We, we were talking about the A-League uh, Auckland team and looking for a name for it, uh, and Kevin from Tutarangi said, uh, you guys are well known. What about the Auckland Rick Dogs or the Kempi Kickers? <laughs> yeah, nah. Wow, Rick Dog sound a hell of a lot better than Kempy's Kickers. I don't know about that, man. I think Kickers, you know, uh, there's a yeah. A football. Sound, I sound like I sound like pumps. Yeah, well, you know pump. what pumps are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Kickers, the Kickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave from Karaka has texted as well. He said, "Good morning, boys. Maybe your name is the Auckland Strikers." Uh, have a great day. I uh, think I uh, think I'm out of hospital today. Well, good luck to you, Dave. Uh, I'm I'm glad to hear uh, that you're uh, you're out of hospital now as well. And another one from Ted and Manorewa. He said, "What about just Tamaki Makoto FC?" Well, yeah, like that's exactly right. Because the other thing too, the, the, well, the Warriors have have taken the Tikung and, and put it into their uh, their brand. Um, so I, I guess possibility in and around football. That was a question why I asked about do the all whites have a have a um a, a little bit of culture in their team when they come in and mm. they kept it like, I love the answer. Like, hey look that was we do. We do it behind closed doors and it's something very special to us. So yeah, who who knows? They they could go down that way. They could do. They could actually the all whites have just put their team out. They kick off against Ireland at eight forty five. Max Crocom starts in goal. Uh, the back four, Nando Pinaka, Michael Boxall, Liberato Kakache and Tim Payne. And in midfield, Joe Bell, Marco Stamanik and Matt Garbutt. Chris Wood, Sarpreet Singh and Callum McCart up front for the All Whites against the Irish. Uh, that game, as I said, kicks off at 8.45. Uh, time uh, to unveil the winner of Two Truths, One Lie. Now we have, as a prize for this, a thanks to Chemist Warehouse for their Black Friday sale, a balanced protein prize pack valued at over $150 to give away. Uh, Robbie, what was your statement? My statement this morning, uh, although cricket is my main sport, I played tennis a lot when I was younger, won an inter-club competition at the age of 13 around all of Auckland, but a stress fracture in my foot kept me from going any further. Kempe? Oh, I used to be a young Joe Parker and worked for Nicky Mills on the doors down in Wellington. There you go. Uh, we did have somebody say that you weren't big enough to be a bouncer. <laughs> I don't know if they've seen you recently, but there you go. Uh, and mine was, uh, yeah, my band, we, we opened for corn. Speed, Rick, speed. speed. It's all about the speed, mate. Yeah, too many weights, not enough speed work. <laughs> uh, but but, but we, uh, we opened for corn at Vector Arena, one of the first New Zealand bands to play there. And the lie is... Me today. Yeah, Robbie. Yep. Uh, I was lying. I, I love tennis as a sport. Um, never really played it aside from holiday programs and things. And I've had a lot of injury issues. Um, my uh, my my little uh, under my big toe is actually the bones actually split in two on both sides, uh, which has um, kept me from uh, playing cricket to too high of a level. But I've got some shoes that are helping it. And but Ooh. yeah, no, nothing nothing around tennis or anything. So okay. that was that okay. lie. Uh, Kempe, how were you as a bouncer, mate? How many pe- how many times did you look at people good, and go? I had some not very of those good, shows, not of those shoes, bro. Yeah, no, I was I had some very good backup. Oh, I had right. some very very good backup down there. I was only young, Rick. I was only seventeen. Yeah. So um, I got taught. Well, I got taught very uh, early because my father was a key um, uh, bouncer down in Taranaki. Yeah, he did all the bands and all that when he came. He ran his crew. Yeah. So I, I, I learnt from one of the best. But then when I went down to Wellington and, and picked it up, uh, I had two very, very good uh, side side men. 
I, well, I was a sideman. They were the front. Right. I was the back. My, my brother-in-law used to bounce at clubs in the East End in London. And uh, he's a big English guy. And uh, he, when he first moved over here, he was looking for some extra coins. So he started uh, working as a doorman at a couple of bars in Takapuna, which is a lot a lot more chill than the East End of oh, London. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, he said he, there was a group of guys in one day. It was, it was the middle of the day and it was sunny. And uh, they were all, you know, having a few beers. And uh, one of them had gone and got a pint as the rest were getting ready to leave. And then he realised the rest were getting ready to leave, but he didn't want to leave his pint. And he had a pair of cargo shorts on, you know, those pop big pockets down yeah. the side? He said, so the guy put, he, 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 he drank the top off the pint and then put the whole glass in down, his, his leg. down his leg in the side pocket and then went to walk out. And uh, brother-in-law saw him do this and didn't say anything, just waited for him to walk out the door. And as he walked out the door, he tapped him on the shoulder and said, oh, excuse me. Uh, and he reached into his pocket and pulled the beer out and the guy just looked at him. And then he opened the top pocket and he poured the beer into it, and he said, you paid for that, you can keep that, but you've got to leave the glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's and, some, and what are you going to do? That's right. There's some very, very good uh, uh, door stories and and seen quite a lot of that sort of stuff happen. And my, one of my first jobs in Newcastle as a player yeah. was on the door for, at the Cambridge. Oh. People who, who know Newcastle know Cambridge. It was owned by a couple of Kiwi boys, um, and I needed a job. So they, they gave me a job, and I told them what I did back in New Zealand. They went, yep, you can come and uh, run one of the doors here for us on Super. a Thursday night. Crazy. crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, now, we should announce actually the winner, who's won this, uh, won this fantastic prize pack from Chemist Warehouse and Balance $150 Balance Protein prize pack. And that is Paul in Hawera. Morning team, today's bullshitter is Robbie. Yes, you were right. It is. Uh, so, Paul, that prize pack is all yours. Let's get away to the latest in news and sport now with Aroha. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Kia ora, good morning, and uh, welcome back into the show. 25 away from 9 o'clock, and you can check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18, Paul Mawadi joins us. Morning, Paulie. How you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Ricardo. Uh, beautiful day here in Wellington. Um, looking forward to a busy, busy day with uh, a number of race meetings on today and plenty of sport as well. Paulie, you would have went to Candios down there in, um, in uh, Wellington back in the day where Nicky Mills used to run it down uh, in Lambton Quay there, wouldn't you? Because I'm sure I threw you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once or twice I've been there, yeah, ex yeah. Once, once yeah. or twice. Oh, mate, come on, Paulie. We all know you walked in and the whole place, it's like chairs. The whole place just stopped and they're, Paulie! <laughs> 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 yeah, if Kempe let me in. Yeah, if Kempe let me in, Ex-checkers, that's right. That was the other one. That was the other one, ex-checkers, because the, um, that's what they called, weren't they? The Wellington team, the ex-checkers saints. Ex-checkers saints. Racing in Invercargill today, Paulie. Have you had, uh, I mean, hard to pick one down there, I'll tell you. Had money gone anywhere today? Yeah, well, we've got a bonus back promotion back to second and third on the first two races at Invercargill today. So I thought I'd have a look at uh, the first race at least. Uh, And we've taken a bit of money uh, on the favourite there, leave it to me. Uh, Currently $2.80 has taken close to... 45% 45% of turnover in that final field win market in race one uh, at Invercargill. But I don't mind the look of one of the old boys there. Uh, number two, V12. Um, look, we'll probably get a track to suit. Um, and a second up, although doesn't have a very good second up record. However, does get the services of Sam mm. Weatherly. 
yep. and a very handy draw as well. So I think if Sam uh, can get him in uh, nice and uh, handy, uh, I think we'll be in with a run for our money. And, and seeing as it is a, a bonus back race, I thought we might just uh, push the boat out a wee bit here. V12, number two in race one. Uh, $6.50 as we speak. Yeah, good good spotting, um, Paulie. I thought the same thing this morning. Like, you got the cup week down. you got Sam Weatherly, uh, cup-winning jockey, on the on the back of V12. It's that type of day, isn't it, down in Invercargill, where you've got to look for those little secret um, placings of people, of horses, of trainers uh, in Invercargill. What about, what about I, I, I sort of like the look of uh, Jimmy Five in the last... Um, it's carrying 62 kilos, drawn 10. But I thought if it, you know, over 1,200 metres, if it could get to the front, it'd still be too hard to pick back over the 1,200 metres. Yeah, um, if Samantha Wynn will have a bit of a job on her hands trying to get across from that uh, uh, number 10 barrier. Uh, but uh, Jimmy Five certainly does have the speed um, to do that at the moment. Once again, <laughs> Sam Weatherly. Uh, he's on the favourite in the last, number nine, Nobellum, uh, trained by Terry Kennedy, and is now $4 and has been the best backed in the race. However, there has been a bit of action around Jimmy Five uh, and also uh, the second favourite, the Good Shepherd, uh, who has to carry uh, 61 and a half, I think, $5.50 currently. But yeah, Nobellum, uh, very well supported in the uh, last race at Invercargill. But the Jimmy Five, not without his, uh, not without his supporters. Well, I'm going to do what I didn't do yesterday. When we spoke about that race yesterday, um, we did the same thing. You you rattled off the other two. I rattled off one. Guess where they came? First, second, and third. So make sure today you have a look at that Jimmy Five into the Good Shepherd into Nobellum. If you're going to have a little click uh, click at a, a half trifecta, cost you three bucks uh, to do that. What about last night? Your 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 girl. She's done it again. Old Taylor Swift, she's put the hoodoo on. The, she's put the hoodoo on the Kansas City Chiefs. What's going on? Boy, oh boy, do they go to sleep at halftime? They cannot score uh, when they can come back out on the field for the second half. Uh, unbelievable. Um, look, yeah, it, it was strange to see um, uh, Mahomes. I thought had a fairly uh, good game. I mean, he does set fairly high standards, but. No one wanted to catch any of his passes. He just—he was putting it on the money, um, and unfortunately for him, his receivers just weren't doing the the business. So, yep, um, I know they're calling it the Taylor Swift curse. Uh, we'll see what happens next time, but they really need to—I um, don't know—get a a motivational speaker in at halftime to help <laughs> g them up because they just—they come out asleep after the. Uh, uh, the oranges at halftime. Um, so, yeah, it, that was a very good win uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles having to travel there. A wee bit of revenge, but it's not really, is it? Because it's not the Super Bowl. That's the only thing that matters. Of course, NBA on today as well, and we've got a same-game claim uh, promotion on the 76ers-Cavs matchup. That's a uh, in-season uh, game uh, in the Group A East. And there are a number of power plays on that. And I love the look of Joel Embiid today. I don't think the Cavs have anyone that can hold him. Uh, Evan Mobley, I don't think so. Jared Allen, no, 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 no. Tristan Thompson, no, come on. Let's get serious here. So uh, one of the power plays that I've had a look at uh, in that matchup between the 76ers and the Cavs uh, is all about Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid to 
uh, record 30 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, and the 76ers to win at $6. I think that's a fairly good bet today. I think he will go nuts. He's coming off a 32-point, 12-rebound, 9-assist game against the Brooklyn Nets two days ago. So he's in some very, very good form at the moment. And as I said, I don't think the Cavs have anyone that can hold him. Yeah, well, Robbie's on. You've convinced him. So there you go. That's uh, that's one donation to the tab today. Uh, Cam actually, uh, Cam's texted through, and I know we've covered racing, but he talked about Invercargill as well. He spotted a couple. Paulie, interested to get your take on these in race three and race four. Uh, a place multi. They're both paying two bucks. He's gone Iberian in race three and Balano in race four. Iberian, let's just have a little bow peep here. Where are we? Oh, the Iberian. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, Sam Wellley's getting a bit of love today because um, we're just about uh, tipping out, him out in every race. So I hope he does have a big, big day. Um, oh, the Iberian has been very well back to win in race three. And what was the one you uh, mentioned in race four there, uh, Ricardo? Uh, Bellano with Cavish uh, Chowdhury on board. It's uh, Stephen Prince horse. Yes, 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 yeah, daughter of Saverville. Uh, and that was a very, very good uh, run, I thought, last time out. Um, so I can understand uh, the confidence around uh, Bellano in race four at Invercargill. Uh, the two at the top of the market are dominated, though, at the moment in terms of uh, turnover. Uh, Bauble at 380 and Sestina at $4. They're the two that uh, punters have come for. Um, but I can understand uh, why, uh, why um, Bellano might not be the worst bet for a top three or top four. Yeah, exactly. Two bucks a place uh, for both Iberian and Bellano. It's not too bad, mate. Not too bad. That that, that might pay for a night at Exchequers at some point. <laughs> yeah, as long as you get through the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Paulie. Go well, brother. Have a great day. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Go well. Cheers. Check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18. It is 13 away from 9 o'clock. Uh, the All-White's about to kick off against uh, the Irish. Uh, we'll uh, bring you some clips shortly from uh, the All-White's press conference before this game. Uh, Chris Wood and Simon Elliott were speaking, but we do have Who Am I to give away, Kempe? And uh, the three clues were, I was born in Australia but represent New Zealand. Uh, I've been to the Olympics, and I've been to two Olympics, and I've won one of each medal, and... I was not alive in the 20th century. At the 2018 Winter Olympics closing ceremony, I became New Zealand's youngest ever flag bearer. $100 Adidas golf voucher up for grabs. Get away with Adidas golf. Visit adidas.co.nz. Get away with golf tees and tees apply. And the correct answer is? It is Zoe Sudowski Sinnott, of course, who's uh, unbelievable on the snow. And it goes to Scotty Logan. Uh, who's a great supporter of the show, doing some wonderful things myself, Scott, out there in the PT world. Um, well done, mate, to you today. Uh, I mean, we had a, a hell of a lot of people that didn't know early on, Rob, so the clue to get everyone going uh, gave us a heap of different names, but the last one definitely gave it away. Yep, it did indeed. All right, uh, now, as I mentioned, the All Whites are playing Ireland this morning. Chris Wood uh, is captaining the team, playing up front. It wasn't too long ago that... The All Whites played Ireland back in 2019 and got beaten. So he was asked about how much this team has grown and changed since that loss. Yeah, I think back then was quite a few of the lads' first couple of tours. Um, I remember it was Callum McCowett's first goal, I'm pretty sure, um, in that sense. So we were a very young squad back then. And ever since then, they've come on and probably played around about 20 caps now. Um, so they're getting the experience which is needed, especially from a 
relatively young group. Um, so it's great to see the progress going through. Um, but now we're starting to get build into these players being fully fledged internationals now, not just uh, prospects when they started in 2019. So it's it's about stepping forward and now showing it on the biggest stage. It's about that growth, isn't it, Kimpy? Especially with that, uh, you know, when we had Andrew Pragnell on earlier, you know, the 2026 World Cup, it's expanded and it means that Oceania get an automatic place. They don't have to go through a playoff now. So you'd think that the All Whites, everything being equal, should win that and get there. And then and it's having these guys in the right place to, to be able to um, capitalise on that. It's a, it's a slow burn, isn't it, um, the All Whites? Because New Zealand has so much growth in soccer to, to do as, as we became. Uh, become very good through our pathways and our younger uh, younger uh, boys and girls head up into the professional competitions, then the All-Whites benefit from that and we, we get a better player coming back into our team. And if you follow uh, the All-Whites through the years, way back in the 80s when they went to the World Cup for the first time, now we're going to start to get players that are, are going to put us in that picture every time there's a World Cup, um, which is my thoughts and, and based on the growth of the game, the A, the A League, the Auckland side coming in, it'd be just another addition to to helping that happen. So, uh, all the best to the All Whites when they're out there with, against Ireland today. It's good to see them out uh, out there in in these games that are going on at the moment through this international window. Yeah, they're getting asked the hard questions. Well, Chris Wood was asked if there was something lacking in this team after they really failed uh, to trouble the scorers against Greece, and uh, what do you want to see more of to get goals and hopefully wins? I think we just need to keep building. Um, I think we've done extremely well defensively um, in the most cases. Obviously. Sometimes we've let in some sloppy goals, but we can easily solve that. Um, our problem has been finishing, um, and we know that as a, as a playing group, as a, a striking unit. Um, we talk about it, and we, we look to work on ways to, to get better um, and ultimately bring it out on the pitch. Um, but ultimately, we just need to keep progressing, keep trying the things that we're working on in training, um, trying to bring out the, the moves that we try. Um, and ultimately taking our chances when we get them. Um, we have been getting chances. Um, we've had some clear opportunities or some half chances, and it's about taking those and having a bit more luck in front of goal. Yeah, so there you go, Chris. We're talking about trying to get goals uh, because that has been the one criticism of this all-white team is not scoring enough, Kempi. Yeah, and, and it is always a always a way. I don't think it's as much as them and their off- offence. I think de- defensively too, when they go into the, these type of games against these these teams that have been around for donkey's years and class teams at that, they are going to find it hard to score. So, you know, like I said, it's a slow burn. We'll, we'll get better as the year goes on. You know, you, you know what you get when you play the France and the Islands and those type of sides. When the All-Whites have got, you know, another 10, 20 years of growth in them, that's when that's when they're not going to, they won't have that problem with scoring goals. And it's eight away from nine o'clock. When we come back, Daniel McCarty joins us. Couple of minutes away from nine o'clock, Daniel McCarty joins us now because he's uh, going to run the cutter from nine. Actually, we're lucky to have Daniel McCarty because I thought he would have been uh, Sky Sports' first choice to commentate this uh, this All Whites Island game, Daniel. Well, the only issue there it's on TVNZ Plus, right? Right, right yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm I'm big with the state forecaster just yet. Just, okay, I'm discombobulated though. Let's go to the Viva Stadium. Uh, <laughs> Kimpy, missed you, fella. Uh, the All Whites playing a team in all black in Ireland. Mm. It, it, it's very off-putting. It's very off-putting. I'm a, I'm a bit confused. I look at it, I'm like, oh, New Zealand's attacking. Oh, no, we're not. We're defending. Uh, so we're only 10 minutes into the game, no score. Uh, Ireland uh, going through a bit of a, a problematic uh, stage, you would say, having missed out on qualification for the Euro Championships. Mm. Uh, their best players are on the bench, Evan Ferguson, uh, the hugely talented teenage, um, you know, Brighton star, 
not starting. Bazunu, the uh, Southampton goalkeeper, amongst others. So you would hope, you would hope New Zealand would uh, be uh, right in the fight here, a Rick Dog. But through the opening 10 minutes, I've seen a lot of action uh, of those wearing black in the opposition half. Right. Okay. Oh, well, hopefully we can turn that around, mate. Now, uh, you've got a big show coming up. I understand that you've got the one and only Neil Wagner. Is he, uh, he, he dusts, off the, uh, dusts off the Superman outfit to go rescue the Black Caps in Bangladesh? Uh, I, I hope we get wags uh, trying to get through customs at the moment, um, which is is always interesting now, isn't it? Mm. So uh, the plan was to actually speak to him prior to nine o'clock and play the interview out, uh, but it might be live after uh, a little sermon. So all going well. We will catch up with uh, Neil Wagner. Uh, Grant Elliott unfairly said on the Saturday session, yay, being called up for a tour to Bangladesh if you're a fast bowler. I, I'm sure if there's one man who actually found some excitement in being called up to fill Matt Henry's boots for this uh, tour to Bangladesh, which is hardly hardly a fast bowler's paradise. It would be one Neil Wagner, right? Uh, considering uh, the links um, and how much energy he gave in the last time he played for New Zealand in a test match against uh, Sri Lanka, of course, what, sprinting through for that, uh, for that single with uh, a broken body. So we'll catch up with them. We'll talk uh, football, both uh, the new A-League expansion and the All-Whites with Fred Young after 11 o'clock and NBA after 10 as well, fellas. And we'll open the lines uh, in the first hour. Good stuff. Have a great show, Daniel. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Here's Araha with the latest in news for Kubota.